Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. I am here with Jane, our Firefly nerd. How are you, Jane? I'm good. How are you, Space Nerds? And we're also... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't know why I wave. No one can see me. I, I can see you. I like it. And we're also here with Andy. Welcome, Andy. Hi. Andy's going to be joining us for the Space News today. We're going to be talking about the final yeah. episode of Firefly. We've made it yes. to the end. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. Big and, finale. And this is, this is hard for me, but um, this is actually going to be the last episode of Space Nerds. So you're not just going to hear from uh, Jane and Andy today. You are going to hear from Doug and Alexandria. Doug and I will be talking about the premiere episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. And Alexandria and I will be finishing out season three of Black Mirror. There's two more episodes in season three to finish out. And then this show will be ending. And this is really difficult for me, really hard for me. But it's a decision that I've come to that the show has reached its natural conclusion. And there's a lot of reasons behind this. Um, the main reason is that I've been at this for over five years and I have, I'm feeling like I have failed to build an audience and a lot of my passion and joy in creating content is my excitement around building community and building an audience and the growth of the show. And I haven't seen that happen with this show. I've tried several different incarnations of this show, originally sci-fi with Jesse Mercury and now space nerds. And we've had ups and downs and there's been moments where I felt like the show was growing and moments where I felt like we were, you know, reaching towards my dreams of, of, of growing this show. And then some really hard moments when all those dreams came tumbling down. Um, and I recently went through another one, you know, we were recently featured on Podcast Republic and a lot of new listeners came through. And at first I felt like we had found some new long-term listeners and new people to connect to the show. And then unfortunately over the last couple episodes, our listenership went back down to where it was before, if not even lower than where it was before we were featured. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I just have to, I just have to accept the fact that this show has not, um, it's just not caught on. It's not, it's not catching people's interest. It's not building listenership. And as much as I love this show, I love the people that, are a part of this show. I love talking to everyone about, you know, space news and science fiction and none of that has changed for me, but I feel like the package of space nerds that that I have tried to put together has just not it's not functioning the way that it needs to mm-hmm. in order to build an audience. And on top of that, I did my taxes recently. I took a look at how much it's costing me to produce this show and I just can't mm-hmm. afford it anymore. So the web hosting is just outside of my reach, yeah. especially because I am dealing with so many health issues and, and can't work right now. Um, you know, we've set up a Patreon and Jane has been our one patron and she's a part of the show. And Jane, I appreciate oh, it so no. much. <laughs> but, I'm I, so alone. <laughs> but I have ended the Patreon. So oh. Jane, you won't be charged anymore, but I do appreciate your, uh. your help and shouldering some of the costs of creating this show. But 
Um, and, you know, there's other signs of the health of the show that are very, very dim. You know, I created the Space Nerds podcast at gmail.com email uh, quite a long time ago. We have never received an email. So, not once. <gasps> Not one? Not one. Oh, we never internet, got you're letting me down. Oh, <laughs> um, oh no. And, you know, it's, uh. it's been over a year since we had a new rating on iTunes. Or, sorry, a new review on mm-hmm. iTunes. We did get a new rating uh, recently, yeah. and I do really appreciate that. But um, we're just not reaching an audience. We're not connecting with people. And it, it is becoming a source of sadness mm-hmm. and even depression for me. So, yeah. I am it's, feeling... Yeah. It, yeah. It's time to let it die uh, dignified <laughs> graceful uh maybe not die maybe just let it let it go into the sunset and have you know it have its time come to a, a beautiful ending <laughs> yeah yes. we're putting it on totally. a boat we're setting it on fire and we're sending it out into space <laughs> yes oh, yes absolutely oh but the fire won't do anything in space <laughs> jesse no See, I've learned nothing, Jane. Um, so, yeah. So, this is really hard for me. And as yeah. soon as I made the decision, mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't put out a show in a couple of weeks because I've been mulling this over. Yeah. And as soon as I came to the conclusion that this is what needed to happen, I just decided, let's just make one more episode. Let's let's officially end the podcast. We'll go out with a bang. Think, we'll get everyone on and yeah. talk to everyone. And then we'll move on. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's nice that... I mean, some sometimes when a show or a podcast or a book series or whatever is not doing as healthy as maybe you would like it to, but the creator doesn't get that and just keeps holding on to it, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, like totally. claws dug in, like yeah. no, I'm gonna just keep yeah. going, and and then it, you can tell that it struggles. That's no one likes that. That's so I'm glad that you. I mean, I'm sure it was a difficult decision, but I'm, I'm glad that you decided to let it have its time. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you need to just realize that the beauty of things is not that they endure. It's that they had their moment and then it's time for a new thing to have its moment. Yeah. Yes. So. Totally. And speaking of new things, there's a lot that I'm still creating. Yeah. A lot. Most of it is science fiction themed. And if you guys don't mind, I'll take a moment to to plug everything yeah, that please. is still I continuing. Yes. So first and foremost, I made a second podcast called Sci-Fi on Trial years ago that kind of petered out because I wasn't able to uh, I, I wasn't able to produce everything that I had on my plate at the time, but it's been on the back of my mind for a long time, and I really want to return to Sci-Fi on Trial in some way. I'm, I've always wanted it to be a live show, um, either live in person or even live on YouTube, and given the COVID-19 situation, live in person is not really um, feasible at the moment, so I really want to try try again with Sci-Fi on Trial. Um, I really want Jane to be involved and um, hopefully Doug and any of the other space nerds who want to be involved. But I want to try doing Sci-Fi on Trial live uh, on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. I may try to release that on the podcast feed because the Sci-Fi on Trial podcast feed still exists. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, I'm just not having much luck with Sci-Fi podcasting and I'm not sure if that's something that is in my... Is isn't isn't the cards for me or not? I I might try again. I don't well, know. Have you tried? I mean, you. I know you had the Star Trek Club, and where you guys talked about stuff, kind of like as the episodes were coming out. Yeah. Um, of Picard, at least. 
have you done anything else that's more concurrent with with things as they come out? Because I, I think that yeah. generates a lot of interest. You know, I haven't done much of that. I, maybe a little bit, you know, Doug and I have talked about some of the Picard trailers and Discovery trailers live on YouTube. Yeah. But that is a great idea. Yeah. That's something else I might try on YouTube. I I recently started a new YouTube gaming channel. So I've split all of my gaming content off of my sci-fi YouTube channel. So, um, so if you are interested in sci-fi content, then my YouTube sci-fi is now or my sci-fi YouTube is now the place to go. I'm still making the Mercury Rising web series, which has been going great so far. I've got three episodes out. I'm working on the fourth. I'm going to be interviewing Emperor Sheev Palpatine in the fourth episode of Mercury Rising. Nice. Um, that's my sci-fi comedy web series. And, you know, yeah, you can just, as a content creator, I can just kind of feel uh, momentum with certain projects. That's one where I feel some momentum. Like as soon as an episode goes up, a bunch of people start commenting and, and liking the video. And I just, that's just something that, you know, I've been content creating for too long to not have that at this point, to just be making something and putting it out without any feedback at this point, mm-hmm. I, I can't continue to do. Um, so yeah, so that's some, some things that I'm doing. I, I'm definitely considering continuing Doug Space Nine on my YouTube page where it was originally born. I haven't tried that during COVID yet. I have to kind of rebuild the whole stream and the whole experience. So I, I want to start with sci-fi on trial and do that first. And then hopefully at some point okay. get back around to Doug Space Nine if, if it's feasible to make that happen. Um, if that's something I hear from people, hey, I want Doug Space Nine back, then that's going to you know move that up in my list. Um, I am starting a new podcast. I know this is crazy, but I'm starting a new podcast called Major Pain. It has nothing to do with science fiction. It's something I've been working on for at least a year at this point. And part of ending this podcast is giving myself the the time and the energy to actually get that going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to start as a limited series. And if there's any interest in it continuing, it will keep going. If not, it's only going to be about 10 episodes long, but it's about living with a chronic health condition that is undiagnosed for me personally. And then interviewing other people with chronic health conditions about what they're going through and what their life is like because of their, um, because of their health and mm-hmm. kind of building a resource for people living outside of, uh, the norm of health or even the norm of medical science. So that's something that I'm really passionate about trying and that will be happening. Um, I've got four episodes recorded. I'm going to drop those hopefully within the next month or two. I just have to get the podcast feed built and the al- uh, the cover art ready to go. And then that's going to, that's a new experiment that I'm trying to see if there's a you know, some podcasts that I can create that people will engage with. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, you know, the I did a two-part episode on this podcast feed way back in the day called Maybe He's Born With It, Maybe It's Lyme Disease <laughs> about my health. And by far, it was the most feedback I ever got for any podcast I've ever made. Yeah. So I do hope that there is an audience for talking about health and, you know, trying to build some community around living with a major pain and that's what that Mm -hmm. show is going to be about so that's coming up um i have this new uh gaming channel on youtube if people are interested i've started a uh video series ranking every game on my switch the first game the first video just came out and i'm really excited about it really proud of it um yeah so i still have a lot going and unfortunately space nerds is not going to be one of those things that moves forward this is coming to an end Oh, yeah. yeah. And things are sad, but um, they're necessary. They're a necessary yeah. part of life. Yeah. Oh. yeah. 
And I've loved being a space nerd. And I think that I know. this show has been so awesome. And Jesse, I just want to acknowledge all the work that you've done to create this for all of us. And um, well, thank you. I yeah, I that. think that the spirit mm-hmm. will live on even if the show doesn't. And um, I feel like us nerds will be popping in and out of your content for a Absolutely. long time to come. So yes, yes. <laughs> the, the thing that's come out of this latest iteration of the podcast, which is space nerds is that the people I'm working with are amazing. And you know, the, one of the big reasons I relaunched the show as space nerds was that I wanted to work with people. I didn't want to just generate something by myself. Right. And mm-hmm. everyone who's been a part of it has been amazing. I, whether or not we're going to record our conversations, I'm still going to talk to everyone on the show about science fiction. <laughs> you know, I have to learn how to talk to friends without making content out of it. So that's a uh, life goal that's of okay. mine. <laughs> See, when, security mic. <laughs> when I have like a great conversation about science fiction and I haven't recorded it, I feel like I've wasted it. It's like a, <laughs> it's a, it's a weird thing. Like I've been at bars talking to friends about sci-fi and been like, damn, I should have recorded that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is just my okay. weird my weird thing but um yeah it's i mean it's okay yeah, yeah and ending the show has nothing to do at all with the quality of the content that i feel like we've been producing because i'm so proud of it and so excited about every episode that we've been putting out um I, I i love it i really love this show i've yeah. always loved every iteration that's why i've made it and i know i've been a little all over the place trying different things but the reason i've done that is because i i haven't felt like i've been catching an audience and i kept thinking well maybe if i try something a little different it'll work and maybe mm. this will work and i keep changing and i my brain has been doing this again where it's like okay well this version of the show isn't doesn't seem to be working so maybe there's another version of the show i could try and then i realized he's like you know what you could also just stop you know you could also just put it down <laughs> um it's an option yeah. yeah well i do want to have one little nostalgic moment well. too because on this i just want to say that this podcast is one of the first impressions i ever had of you <laughs> because we met on a dating app and so before we had our first date i was like looking up your stuff online <laughs> and the two things i ha- did was i saw time child <laughs> which is oh an God, amazing yeah. music video of jesse's jane obviously you've seen it but if you're I've listening <laughs> if you're listening right now and you haven't seen it i highly recommend just searching jesse mercury time child on youtube <laughs> And imagine that you're about to go on a date with someone, and that's your impression. <laughs> and then also, yeah, I, that, like, I literally said I was on the phone with my one of my dearest friends, who's also named Jesse, and he he was like over over the phone. He was basically um, internet stalking Jesse with me, and he was like he watched it too, and he was like, "This is either gonna be." the best day you've ever been on or at least a really good story <laughs> and i was yeah. like yeah and it ended up being the best day but the other thing is that i listened to the episode about um carrie fisher yeah it was the i think it was the rogue one podcast with jenny um, yeah where, we talked, where yeah. carrie fisher had just passed away yeah yeah cool. and i remember listening to that and what you had to say about her and about women in general and kind of being like, huh, I think I like the way this person thinks. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So if hey. only everyone got to listen to a podcast of the person they were about to date. Right. right? Like, yeah. That would be then you could like get a little like pre uh, 
predate. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a really a good little point. little pre-screening, especially in COVID times. Like, this person is unreasonable. Yeah. I don't want to meet them. Well, and the other thing yeah. is, like, I feel like with dating profiles, you know, and I don't know, in general, the way you meet someone on the internet, they're presenting the version of themselves they want you to see. But, like, in a podcast mm. where someone's just having a conversation with a friend and it was it's not oriented towards trying to hook anyone you know or right. you know like it's interesting to see aspects of their personality you wouldn't necessarily pick up on based on their profile you know yeah for so, sure yeah i actually <laughs> highly recommend if you're gonna go on a first date with someone and they have a podcast take, take a, a listen. listen yeah absolutely <laughs> um that does remind me that i want to just take a moment to thank jenny uh jenny Krantz, b russell sarah russell um, who haven't been on the show in a while, but were part of our Star Trek and Star Wars clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, their contribution to the show has been fantastic, and I definitely still very much miss talking to them on the show. Um, and at this point, those clubs are not coming back because the show is ending. So I just want to thank them for being amazing. And hopefully we'll yeah. make make content together in the future. Although we're still, you know, we're still chatting off, off the podcast and um, still friends. So... That's the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So enough said about that. Let's get into the final space news. Are you are you ready for the are, I can't speak. Are you ready for the space news? Give us a space news. Let's do it. Space news. All right, here we go with the last space news. Also just reminded myself, thank you, Justin Minnick, for the amazing voiceover work you did for this podcast. We've mm-hmm. loved your voice ah. since the Space Nerds relaunch. Um, so thank you, Justin. You're amazing. Okay, so this is from sciencealert.com. This is an older story. This is from May of this year, but I've been holding on to this one for a while. It's something I really wanted to talk about, and this felt like the perfect time um, because the space news is all about looking to the future and thinking about how humanity is going to evolve as we turn science fiction into reality. (laughs) So this is from sciencealert.com. NASA just released the Artemis Accords, guidelines for humans to abide by in space. Yeah. <laughs> it's our prime directive. Things yes. are shit on Earth, but let's fix things on the moon. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was super interesting. Uh, of course, the uh, Artemis missions are, uh, we've talked about the Artemis mission before, but this is NASA's return to the moon, putting the next man and the first woman on the moon. Hmm. Uh, and as part of that, they've put together this list of guidelines for operating in space as a human species. I'm trying to get other nations to sign off on this. So let's wow. learn a little bit. Over the next few years, we'll finally be heading back to the moon. But with nearly 50 years in between our last moon jaunt and this one, a lot has changed. With private companies becoming a huge part of space programs and the rise of many international space agencies, space is getting rather crowded. So some new rules may be needed to help everyone play nice. And first of all, isn't that interesting to think about that our space is getting crowded yeah like that's just something that's happening in our lifetimes that's (laughs) happening right now with you know the launch of all these um spacex starlink Starlink, yeah Yeah. satellites and all this stuff up in space and i mean spacex just had the test launch of the uh the what's it called the The dragon endeavor thing the after that the the giant giant grain silo that they shot up (laughs) into the air oh um it's called just like spaceship isn't starship 
I think it's just yeah. called Starship. It looks like a giant yeah. grain silo, but it actually got off the ground. It's something they were trying to try to send a bunch of people to Mars with. Um, so shit is happening. But anyway, um, that's why NASA has just provided a set of agreements, which they've termed the Artemis Accords, for other international space agencies and private companies to abide by, while a new generation of astronauts are enjoying the off-world views. With numerous countries and private sectors, private sector players conducting missions and operations in cislunar space, it's critical to establish a common set of principles to govern the civil exploration and use of outer space, the team explained in a statement. Mm-hmm. International space agencies that join NASA in the Artemis program will do so by executing bilateral Artemis Accords agreements, which will describe a shared vision for principles grounded in the Outer Space Treaty of 1967 to create a safe and transparent environment which facilitates exploration, science, and commercial activities for all of humanity to enjoy. These, are, these accords are exactly what you would expect from NASA. They include peace, transparency, interoperability, the ability of products or systems to work with different products or systems. But there are also some very interesting agreements for us space nerds to dig into. And yes, they're talking directly yeah. to us. <laughs> Woo! For example, NASA is requesting all international partners agree to share their scientific data publicly, as well as register all space objects. Without po- proper registration, coordination to avoid harm... <laughs> I can speak English. Without proper <laughs> registration, coordination to avoid harmful interference cannot take place, the Accords read. The Artemis Accords reinforces the critical nature of registration and urges any partner which isn't already a member of the registration convention to join as soon as possible. And let's pause the article right there to just talk about that for a second. What do you guys think about this idea of registering everything that's in space, being completely open and transparent about everything that is up in space what do you think i think it's beautiful um we spend so much time squabbling about things here down on the ground we need to come together as a species in space and so putting that stuff up front and and making sure that transparency is a big deal and that there's no secret like military things like, have you seen, um, have you seen West Wing? Yeah, I love West Wing. Like, the, the episodes specifically toward the end with Toby. Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why he, uh, spoilers, uh, leaves the administration yeah. <laughs> non-voluntarily is because he thinks that it's wrong for the United States to have a military space shuttle. Yeah. A secret military like weapon in space. Yeah. Um, and, and he disagrees with that. And so he would sit to the press and makes it public. Like I, I highly agree with that. I don't think that any one country should have secrets up there, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. that's where we need to come together and, and work together and cooperate instead of trying to, um, you know, divide and conquer. Yeah. yeah and, it's already happening that we do have countries that have satellites that are operating under, you know, military, oh, yeah. under the military guys. Like, we've, oh, yeah, we've had surveillance satellites and, yeah. and, and spycraft up there for decades. Yeah. But, and there was a um, report recently I, that uh, Russian satellites were being built with lasers on them to attack other satellites. So now there is this fear that mm, there's going mm-hmm. to be space warfare between the satellites, you know? Uh, um, yeah. You know, or to pop popcorn. <laughs> that's, a, oh, that's a really old 
God, I can't remember the name of the movie now. Real Science, I think. Oh my God. Uh, with Val Kilmer. They, they I've get never a, seen this. A space, they get a space laser to pop some popcorn. <laughs> wow. I got to watch this movie. Um, okay. Sorry for all the spoilers, everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with your sentiment, Jane. Absolutely. And I also... Um, I no longer trust the United States government because we're living through like the scariest time it's ever, there's ever been to, well, not necessarily there's ever been, but this is the scariest time of our lifetimes to be an American recently. Yeah. Yeah, It's horrifying right now. Um, And I don't, I don't trust the government at all. And I question everything that I see now. And part of me is wondering, Mm -hmm. is NASA putting this out there because they want to stop other countries from spying on us, but then are just going to go ahead and do whatever they want in space. I like, think they're where, also trying to make it clear that they don't want us to do that. Right, <laughs> like, right. NASA's part of the, the U.S., but they want to make sure that our government doesn't try to sneak in any right. sneaky shit. Right, but there's, yeah, I, that's what I would hope for. And mm-hmm. because I no longer trust our government, I now have doubts about that. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, the United States has done a lot recently to... Um, undermine relationships with other countries and Mm -hmm. this whole idea of you know make america great put america first um which is really saying let's put white men first and not care about anyone else is terrifying and and i want to make sure that there are checks and balances in place for america as well because america is not acting in its own best interest recently let alone the interests of the rest of the world and that makes me nervous and scares me a little bit Mm. um but but i do agree with you that in principle um, the idea of like let's let's just keep space an open playing field of transparency and keep cooperation. It yeah. Keep it neutral. Space is can't be owned by anyone. Mm-hmm. The, our planet exactly. can't be owned by anyone, and we act like we own it. So we got to yeah, stop that. Stick a flag in space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. It would just float away like Jubal Early. Just float away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, here I am. Yes. Um, okay. Well, let's continue this article. Right now, about 87% of all satellites, probes, landers, and other launched space objects have been registered with United Nations Register of Objects launched launched into outer space. So this is very fitting for the Objects in Space episode of Firefly. And yes, <laughs> we have registered Jubal early floating nice. around. Nice. Um, open, uh, <laughs> open access scientific data and registering space objects helps the hobby space community keep an eye on things. And sometimes they can find things that even NASA can't. Which is huge. I mean, that's such a big deal. Like there, there have been asteroids that were spotted by hobbyists and then reported yeah. to the government. Say, hey, this is hurtling towards Earth. What do we do? Um, and if they if they know what is registered, then they can do that. If they don't know what's mm-hmm. registered, then they 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 can't function. It's hard to differentiate it from you know trash or asteroid if they don't already know you know expect to know where it is exactly or what it is. Yes. Uh, The Accords also request international partners protect the current sites and artifacts with historic value, likely areas where moon landings have already happened. With almost 190,000 kilograms, over 400,000 pounds of junk already left behind on the moon, that's actually not as easy as you'd imagine. That's really interesting. There's there's so much junk in space, so much junk on the moon. We are just just the trashiest species. We're parasites <laughs> yes we are we are the we're space trash pandas uh, uh there are, 
<laughs> there are agreements on space resources and information about orbital debris and disposal, but many of these are incredibly similar to the Outer Space Treaty, a document by the United Nations that came into effect in 1967 and gives detailed guidelines about what a country can or can't do in space. In fact, the document, which hasn't changed in over 50 years, has a lot of valuable lessons for this next stage of space exploration. Although a lot has changed, it seems like some things, cooperation, peace, and the good of humankind, stay the same. Yes, and there's a lot of information you can click over to read about uh, the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. I feel like that's going to take too long for us to go into today. And of course, I will link to this article in the description of the podcast if you want to yeah. check that out as well. Um, yeah, so I am excited that this is happening. I'm excited that people are engaging in this conversation about conduct in space. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like this is necessarily going far enough because if there's anything we've learned in 2020 is that human beings can't be trusted to act in the best interest of, of the species. Yeah. 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 Well, when Trump announced space force a couple of years ago, the first thing that I did was go back and look at that, um, that treaty that you were talking about Mm -hmm. from the, what 67 yeah um it's like that's exactly what it was meant to avoid mm. <laughs> of like people uh, militarizing space yeah it was supposed to bring us together and overcome borders and mm-hmm. you know earthly squabbles and 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 bring us together as a people yeah. instead of just you know bickering over territory yeah and we're further away from that than we've been in my lifetime right now Mm -hmm. or at the very least Mm -hmm. we're realizing now that we've been really far away from that this whole time and just haven't been aware of it and we're waking up to it and this will hopefully be a turning point where humanity can learn to come together a little bit because we're all dealing with the coronavirus like the entire world is dealing with COVID 19 and obviously Mm -hmm. america has the worst response to it in the entire world which is incredibly shameful Shameful. and frightening Mm -hmm. but but there's a lesson to be learned here that if we can come together as a scientific community as a people we can achieve so much we can accomplish so much and we are holding ourselves back so much and it's it's terrifying and it's so sad um but i mean it it has to get better you know it can get better and i really believe that it will get better but we just got to get through this horrible moment in history Mm -hmm. so that it can get better yeah yeah what you said. <laughs> and that's the space news. Space news! <laughs> Andy is going to uh, be leaving us. Um, Andy, thank you so much for joining us for the space news. Sure. Thanks, any, Andy. Yeah. Any final thoughts for the space nerds? Uh, keep it nerdy out there. <laughs> 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 no, yes. but truly, I, it's been a real honor. I I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it, I know it is the end of something, but it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like something that's totally over. We're we're going to continue this spirit and and this type of conversation no matter what. And I'm really excited, Jesse, to see what you come up with. And oh, I think you. that this new space in your life is going to, even though we mourn the loss of one thing, I think it's going to be filled with something pretty fabulous. So well, I hope so. I'm yes. always I'm always working it. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're a hustler for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, All Jane right, and I you. are going to talk about. 
the final episode of Firefly. But before that, we're going to hear from Doug and Alexandria talking about some Star Trek Lower Decks and some Black Mirror. And then we're going to close out the episode today, bringing it back to Jane and finishing up Firefly. So let's kick it over to Alexandria and myself, finishing off season three of Black Mirror with Men Against Fire and Hated in the Nation. Science fiction! All right, we're here with Alexandria to talk about the last two episodes of Black Mirror Series 3. Welcome, Alexandria. Hi. (laughs) So, I feel like I owe you an apology for ending this podcast before we finished all of Black Mirror. I feel a little bad about it. I do think it's kind of weird. I will now, okay, so I don't know if you're going to still want to watch all the episodes in order. I probably will. Now I'm just going to, okay, because I'm like, now I just want to send you, but the the problem is that the, the podcast made it so that you would absolutely watch yeah. these episodes. And now it's kind of like, I don't know when you will, but there are just a couple episodes that I'm like, ah, I just want you to watch them. Well, um, I, so. I'm hooked. I mean, I love this show and it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a little up and down, but both of the episodes we're going to talk about today, I thought were absolutely fantastic episodes. There's been more, episodes that were fantastic than episodes that were mediocre or just terrible there's only been like two that were just bad and the thing is is like when it's bad it's really bad and like disturbingly bad and you don't want to ever think about it again but when it's good it's like triumphantly good and it changes your life with how good it is so it's absolutely worth watching and i'm gonna i'm gonna finish it and it's not like a huge um commitment because this the seasons are fairly short Right. But damn, I mean, the two we're going to talk about today were fucking good. And I, they were. I I will absolutely watch them and you and I will still talk about them even if we're not recording. Okay, and I'm good. I am I am open to doing something like recording it for YouTube and trying to do something different or whatever, but uh I am open to that whether or not that happens. I have no idea, but oh. I do I do feel a little bad for um for convincing you to join this podcast and sign up for this project and then stop it mid midway. I feel bad. Don't feel guilty. You're totally fine. Cool. Well, I don't judge you. I, at all. I'm really excited to talk about these episodes. And I, mean, I after I watched, uh, the second one, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a good podcast. This is, a, this is yeah. a good one to end on. Yeah. Both of them are very prolific and, and have statements yes. to be said. And I couldn't remember this, the second one. So the first one we were talking about is, Men Against Fire. Men Against Fire. And the second one is Hated in the Nation. Yes. And like, I couldn't remember Hated in the Nation. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, that's right. Oh, Jesse's going to love this one. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. I love them about. both. So, I love them both good. so much. They were both, I think, impeccably well made. And I've, I've done a little, I just like looked through the Wikipedia articles about both of them. And I was shocked to see that Men Against Fire has like a really low rating and isn't mm. very well regarded. Cause I'm like, that was a masterpiece of a, of a piece of TV. I thought it was f- fucking great. But I, I wonder if the low rating is because like, it's not, it's the opposite of propaganda, whatever the opposite of propaganda is. That's what uh, Men Against Fire is. It's like, open your eyes to the truth. You're living yeah. in the matrix and yeah. the, the government is out to get you. Yeah, <laughs> but that's real. That's the world we live in. And it's funny watching yeah. Black Mirror in 2020 because so much of of the social issues that they're talking about in the show have boiled over into the public consciousness and are now mm-hmm. being you know fought in the streets of America. And like these, these are like real problems that we are wrestling with. And it's crazy how ahead of its time Black Mirror was just a couple of years ago. It's like these are the problems yeah. that we need to address as a culture, and now it's happening. Yeah. Okay, well, let's jump into Men Against Fire. And yeah. 
I loved both of these episodes. I think that I might have loved Men Against Fire just a hair more um, okay. than Hated in the Nation, just because the themes of it really spoke to me. This idea of the psyche of soldiers and of warfare and what mm-hmm. it takes for human beings to kill each other. Because mm-hmm. I'm such a pacifist and I, I've never really understood that myself. Um, I honestly thought you would hate this episode because of that. Really? Like I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, this is legit warfare and so i was like i don't know these last two ones seem pretty heavy are you sure you want to do it oh yeah well see the thing is i don't mind heavy if it makes a good point and the whole point of this episode is that in a lot of ways warfare is arbitrary you know yeah and the, the people who are determining who lives and who dies are out of touch with the reality of the lives of the people that they are affecting and that is very very true you know and this it's illustrated beautifully in this episode um okay so let's let's talk through this episode so it starts out where you have this army in this country and you don't know who the army is where the army is from you don't know which like nation they are protecting and you don't even know which nation they are fighting against except to say that they are fighting against creatures that they call roaches and for yeah. the first bit of the episode, we don't have any idea who or what the roaches are. They're terrorizing yep. this village and this country, wherever we are. Yep. Um, these soldiers have all sorts of interesting advanced technology. They have some sort of implant in their in their brains that allows them to see things in front of them, like tactical displays or maps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finally make it into some combat. And these roaches are like monsters. They look like vampires from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cree- be looking things terrifying yeah and we and see like do you, the, the eye the eye like the ocular it's kind of a callback to like nosedive and a callback yes. to uh the the grain the entire and, like, history of you yes yeah the grain. all of all of the little different callbacks of like oh yeah we're still going to use your eye to create right. or to 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 facilitate these new functional tech yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a tiny little thing about the next episode is that there's something Easter egg on screen about how the U.S. Army is starting to use the mass implant, and the mass is what what this you know what is affecting these soldiers' eyes. Um, that is the mm-hmm. implant. That's what it's called. So I guess that means that this is the U.S. Army, but we're still not really sure in the episode itself. It could be another country has has. It could adopted be too because use. you know I don't think we were in the U.S. for the next episode for hated in the nation. I don't think it right. was the U S well, just there's an Easter egg on screen that says the U S army has adopted oh, the, the mass implant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't even notice. I just read that on Wikipedia. So, nice. um, anyway, yeah, there's a couple of tie-ins to other episodes in both of these episodes, which is kind of nice. Like it kind of feels like you are in the same world, even though it's an anthology show and all the characters are different. It still feels like it's part of one universe. Like yeah. the, the fact that that female soldier sings the song from uh, 15 million merits. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what that song is called, but she like uh, sings it to that guy. You'll understand. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, so I just remember you'll, you'll understand it. It's also like that song is used in so many different episodes of black mirror. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. So we're fighting against these roaches and then our main character who goes by stripe brutally murders these roaches and mm-hmm. like stabs one to death dozens of times in the chest and it is nasty it is like mm-hmm. very violent very gross and then there's a little bit of a um a, a dive into what that does to a person to have committed yeah. this sort of 
violence. And the interesting thing is because these roaches are like monsters, it doesn't really seem to affect the soldiers that much. It's right. like, yeah, I'm just doing my job. I'm killing these monsters. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's very interesting. Whereas if it were human beings, he would probably feel very differently. Um, yeah. So uh, while he was at, uh, while they were in this battle with these roaches, one of the roaches flashes him with this green light device and something weird starts to happen to his head. And it takes us a while to realize what it is. Um, but eventually we realize that this weird flashy light is allowing him to see the world as it really is. And that his yeah, mass it, like, implant... Yeah, it deactivated his mass. Right. It deactivates his mass implant. And the mass implant is causing him to see a false reality where he's not seeing the people he's actually fighting. He's seeing monsters because that's what his implant is telling him to see. Those monsters are actual human beings. They really yeah. are human beings that the, the government and the military has decided to call roaches and decided to make them look like monsters so that the, the soldiers won't have as much of an issue fighting against these other people and killing these mm -hmm. other people. And it dulls their senses of smell. It dulls their, their sense of their reality. They don't smell the blood and the, and the, the blood and the shit, as <laughs> this guy later says. Um, he's like, do you want to smell all that stuff? Do you want to feel everything that you would feel if, if this mask wasn't implanted? Um, and then it calls into question this entire war. Like, what is this war that we're fighting? You're telling us we're fighting monsters. We're actually fighting people. Uh, and then... Um, Stripe has this really intense conversation with this this military psychologist, uh, played by I think is it Michael Kelly here. I pulled oh, this up. it's the guy from uh, from House of Cards, right? right? Yes, uh, yeah, Michael Kelly, who he's such a great actor. I mean, he's really really good Truly. in this part. Um, so this psychologist is telling him like. Yeah, I mean, these roaches are human beings, but they everything else you've heard about them is true. They still have genetic impurities. They still have these high rates of disease, and we have to wipe out their bloodline so that the rest of humanity can be pure. And it's like straight-up horrifying, xenophobic, genocidal mm -hmm. nonsense. It's like Nazi propaganda against the Jews, and I'm Jewish, so this type of scuff you know, scares me. This resonates with me, this type of storytelling. Um, cautionary storytelling, basically. So, we realize that the roaches are human. We realize that Stripe has this implant, and not just that, but also that Stripe chose to have this implant put into his head, and we see this video of him, you know, agreeing to have this thing put, put in so that he would see things falsely. Um, and then once he realizes that, he's given the choice whether or not he wants to have the implant removed and go to jail and live with what he's done for the rest of his life. Because now he can remember that those roaches were actually human. He has these real memories forced fed, force fed to him where he sees that he actually killed humans brutally. Um, so he can either live with those memories or have the mass re-implanted uh, re or fixed or whatever so that he can go back to being a soldier as normal. I think the wild part about that is not only did they like re-implant memories of like, cause that, okay. So like, here's the thing they would implant like good memories too, right? Like right. fantasies. Right. So in like order to woman. like keep them. Yeah. In order to keep them like when you're, when you're away and you like have a partner at home and you're like fighting, then you know, you're trying to get back to that partner. Right. So I feel like they also use that. They were like, Oh, okay. So here's this gorgeous black woman. Cause the main character is black. So here's this gorgeous black woman with this stunning curly hair. She's just beautiful. She got a rocking body and they She's feed gorgeous. him like when, he, when, she, when he goes to sleep, they feed him fantasies of like having sex with this woman. 
Right. And then and once like, his mask starts to get fucked up, he has that yeah. one dream where there's like five of her and it's it's yeah, a yeah, really yeah. stunning like, scene. It's incredibly well made. Like body parts just kind of everywhere, but it's also yeah. really weird. And he's like, wait, this is not right. Like something about yeah. this isn't right. And like, so they're like feeding him this like, you're waiting to get back to your woman type thing. Right. And then like at the very end, we see him standing in front of this house, the same thing in his dreams. Like he's standing in front of this house that looks like his home and he's back from fighting. But like what he's what we see that he's really looking at is like a dilapidated foreclosed right. like shack. It's a real POS of a house. Yeah, seriously. And like so we have to imagine like we have to wonder, is the woman even there? Well, like, she's, we not. Don't, she's not. She's we, not. Yeah, we see that that she's not like at first yeah, we're wondering whole, and then it's confirmed that she's really not there, that she is. Yeah, the whole house is like implanted. made up. Yeah. So basically they they've completely brainwashed these soldiers to to fight fight humans that they don't even know are humans yeah they've brainwashed them to think that they are living uh these happy lives with these perfect partners in these beautiful houses and none of it is real and we that that's like the last twist in the episode is not even his house where he lives no. or this woman that he's been dreaming about are real it's fighting all for like all the things that he's trying to return to yeah. is not even real yeah, and he has this tear running down his face at the end. So it yeah. leaves the question, does he remember the conversations he had with, with the psychologist or was that erased? Like, does he does he know what he's seeing is fake? Like, what is the tear? And I yeah, have my I own theory, like, but I want to hear yours. I think my theory is that I think he knows, I think he knows that it's fake, but he can't, he can't do anything about it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like his hands are tied. Like, yeah. do you want to go to jail and live live in solitary confinement and to be literally driven insane by what you have, the, the, the crimes you have committed? Yeah. And, like, to think about in modern present day, like, to think about not the TV show, right? But to think about the way that our veterans are treated when they come back home anyway, the things oh, that they man. have seen. Yeah. And the, you know what I mean? Like, the, the PTSD that they have. And then... So I, I wonder about that. Like, I wonder if what I, I should ask my dad, I should have asked my dad before this episode, just mm. like, would he have taken like an implant that would make him see things that made him feel better about what he did over wow, there? Yeah. I think, I think he feels like, you know, he wanted to come home to his family. That was a thing, but he does deal severely with PTSD and yeah. like he's in therapy for it and working it out. And I'm thankful for that. But like, would he have taken a, a little implant that would help him? Right. Not feel that way. Yeah, because they even talk about it in the episode that it's emotionally easier to deal with killing monsters than killing humans. So it seems yeah. like their soldiers are not struggling with as much. I'm sure they still have PTSD, but they're not struggling with as, as many horrible problems as um, as our soldiers are now, which is such yeah. a huge thing that the government is just like not... Um, providing enough resources for these people or even necessarily being honest about what they're getting into. Um, and then that, that's like completely amplified in this episode where the government is being honest, but they're doing something completely dishonest about it. If that makes sense. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're being straight up and straightforward with, with people like with soldiers that are signing up. They're saying, Hey, we are going to implant you with this thing. That's going to make it so you don't actually see reality to make it easier for you to be a soldier. And they agree to it. But then when they, it seems like the technology is not perfect, you know? Um, right. Because, well, first of all, a little flashy green light can <laughs> can interrupt the technology enough for Stripe to, to have all these faults with his mask throughout the episode. But then also there's that tear at the end, which implies that he, either it implies that he does remember 
what happened because you know the psychologist says you won't remember this conversation we're going to reset your mass and yeah. you won't remember this conversation but he has that tear at the end so does he remember that conversation it seems like maybe or he does, does he remember something before or right or, or or is his heart just broken and he doesn't know why that, that was my why. that was my uh, reading of the episode see, is that yeah that's dope yeah is that like his heart was broken his when he came knows. home yeah oh. his body knows like there's Ooh. the mind body connection and his yeah. body knows he sees this fantasy woman he's, he knows she's not real but he's still going to run into her arms and think yeah. that it's real yeah um, that's how i took the ending but i don't but think that there like, is okay. like a right so answer. do they put all of the soldiers coming home on the same street because then yeah. do you jesse as a civilian walk out of your house and see this soldier come home to a dilapidated broke down shack watch him hug air yeah and I'll run into the shack on- I'll bet it's on like private property and I'll right? bet that they have like five houses total and they just don't take care of any of them because they don't need to. And they just yeah. cycle, cycle these, well, probably like 20 or 30 houses total or something. Right, and they right. just cycle these soldiers through the same houses and they see something different each time. And because the soldier's experience is that it's, you know, something nice and fancy, they just don't even care about taking wow. care of the house, which is like, which is really traumatizing i i think this episode is fucking brilliant like start to finish i think that the the themes that they're dealing with are so important and really powerful and presented in a really fascinating way i think also we uh wait wait uh deck nabbit (laughs) oh wait no uh You can probably even keep this in just because I'm trying to think about it. Uh, uh, yeah, I only cut I out saying? the dead air. If there's entertaining noises that you make, I leave them in. <laughs> so here's what I want to know. Do you think it is easier to deal with the dreams of killing monsters than the dreams of killing humans? Because I Oof. still think it's terrifying that they are going into these haunted houses and killing these like it's terrifying. Yeah, that is a great question. And I will, I do think that maybe that's why they have this dream program so that they can make them dream about sexy ladies. <laughs> so yeah. they don't have to dream about <laughs> killing monsters. But, but that is a great question. Like it, I think that when you're awake and you're, you're able to kind of steer the direction of your thoughts. Um, I think the idea that you are ridding uh, ridding this poor village of monsters is way easier to think about than ridding yeah. this poor village of humans. Yes. But in your dreams, like that is a great question in your subconscious mind. Is that better? I have no idea. I, because I'll tell I you know. one thing. Yeah. I'm not walking up to nobody's. They tell me we got roaches. I'm not, I'm just not doing it. I'm not going, I'm just not doing it. Cause and beyond the fact that we find out that they're actual human beings and that they're just like, normal humans because what i think it is you know how like in the future in any kind of dystopian futuristic fiction they find humans um the old way of doing things ended us up with like cancer and with all these diseases you're talking right now (laughs) i love that movie oh you do i love gattaca have you not have we not had this discussion before no we haven't this is amazing i keep finding science fiction that you love and it makes me so happy did you know that like gattaca they they we watched gattaca in science class in high school and i wanted to become a geneticist wow that's i graduated high school and went into college to become a geneticist also took took two science classes realized i don't like science and then i I switched over to music but like (laughs) 
genetics like all of that is so where, where like, does miss fife fit into all of that <laughs> oh so like i've always wanted to be miss america from like yeah. four years old so that's just a that's just a four-year-old's dream yeah that i just tried to like for anyone continue. who don't anyone who doesn't know tell us about miss fife ah uh, okay so i wanted to be miss america um from like four years old and i competed for my first year in 2009 in portland oregon won Miss Portland, went to Miss Portland, went to Miss Oregon, made the top 10. Came back the next year for an open title called Tri-Valley, won Miss Tri-Valley, went to Miss Oregon, got first runner-up, closest I've ever gotten. Went back in 2011, competed for Miss Portland, won Miss Portland, went to Miss Oregon, got fourth runner-up. Wow. Came you won back, Miss Portland? I won Miss Portland twice. I didn't even know that. In 2011. Holy shit. <laughs> went, came back home, because I graduated from college, came back home to Tacoma, um ran for miss pierce county 2012 one went to miss washington got fourth runner-up aged out of the miss america organization so miss fife is actually for the miss usa miss universe program okay where i competed for one year i was miss fife 2014 or something like that went for miss washington 2015 made the top 10 i do believe i would have made the top five had i changed my evening gown i had a stunning evening <laughs> gown switch but i didn't I didn't use it for some reason. I got scared and I didn't use my second evening gown. And I knew I would have made the top five had I wow. switched my evening gown like I had planned. When but, I found this out about you, I was stunned because like, you just don't know what people have done before you know them, you know? Yeah. And like yeah. now I can't imagine you competing in, in like beauty pageants. Oh, I, you've seen my YouTube. It's on my YouTube. Miss well, yes. USA. I mean, I am, but like the person if, you are now, I would never have guessed that. I've oh, seen the video and it shocked me. If I could, if I, I could, you look, you look now, amazing. You look great. And that, thank you. <laughs> yeah. If I really could cool. compete now, I absolutely would. Really? And I would fucking slay. Wow. I would slay, <laughs> but I'm too old. They don't like the, the max huh. age is like 28. Yeah. So well, how do you feel about if, the whole experience? Like pageants in general? Loved it. Stuff? Loved wow. it. Because I feel like there's a thing about like, um, People look down on beauty pageants. People look down on this and this and that. Miss America always uh, tooted itself as a tooted, touted <laughs> itself as a <laughs> as a as a scholarship organization. Hmm. Like in 2010, when I got first runner up, I think I paid maybe a thousand dollars out of pocket for college because the rest of it was paid wow. by the Miss America organization. No way. And like. Um, so like for real, they're a scholarship organization. Miss USA is probably more your beauty pageant, but it doesn't matter because they still have a, a shit ton of prizes that you can get and like modeling contracts and Miss America or Miss USA's have gone on to be in like movies and like actresses and like super amazing human beings. And like, so I was like always into it and I loved, especially the swimsuit <laughs> portion. <laughs> and a lot of people like really hate the swimsuit portion, but I thought like if you can get up in front of your father and the whole country in a, in a bikini and be confident and gorgeous and like own the stage, then you can run the world. Like mm. that was my whole thing. And they were all be like, so what do you think about beauty pageants? And I'd be like, if my beauty is what gets me in the room and then you learn that you actually really like me. Cool. Like, cause that's, what's going to happen. If they're like, Oh man, she's so pretty. Okay. Put her on the stage. And then you talk to me, you're like, Oh shit. Like I really like this girl. That's basically what my whole life will be. Like, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I would I, absolutely compete. I would compete tomorrow if yeah. they would open it up. Yeah, I have no knowledge of anything of this entire world, so I have no idea what any of this is. I is wish like, I could take you but... to a pageant. The hard part <laughs> is like Miss America has changed so much. It's not the pageant that I used to hmm. run for. So like I, I'm not quite sure what's happening in the organization. But uh but Miss Universe, Miss USA, like 
gorgeous girls, like bikinis for days. And like, sometimes you get the, the answers to the questions that are like terrible. And like, sometimes you get answers to like, they're asked questions that even our government officials can't fucking answer. So there's that. Um, and most times they answer them really brilliantly too. So, hmm. um, I'm a huge proponent of beauty pageants. I can't, I can't say bad things about them. I would, I would literally compete tomorrow and I feel like I'd be able to, and my ass is so much better now than it was in 2009. <laughs> like I was just a thin girl, like just thin, thin. Like now I got like curves and hips. I would destroy I would destroy. Oh, I wish I could compete. Ooh, child. <laughs> yeah. Well, while, but, I, while I have no frame of reference for that, what you're saying yeah. does remind me of my, like this band that I used to be in where I would perform and uh-huh. like just in my underwear and uh, like butterfly wings. I was in this glam I punk I saw that. Band. You showed me I a showed video. I showed a video. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you're naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And there was this feeling being up on stage and not just being on stage and being seen, but also being like almost naked and like rocking out as hard as I fucking could. Yeah. There was this feeling of like freedom and acceptance from the audience. Like I've never felt better. You know, I've never felt better. That's and you just, one of you the know best you, things I've ever experienced. Like you love yourself enough to be in a speedo. You know what I mean? In yeah. a thong in a, in a thong and some stockings. You weren't, but I'm just saying like, you love yourself enough to like get up there and be like, no, I'm going ha- to live my best life. Yeah. And that in turn, the audience is like, whoa, he's living his best life. I love this. And then they give right. you that energy back. Exactly. And it, for in my situation, it doesn't matter how we looked. It just mattered that we were there doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and like there was, it, and yeah, it was just all about like accepting myself and being comfortable enough with myself to put myself out there as fully as possible and see what I'd get back. And what I got back was just like remarkable and so nourishing and it sounds like maybe that's like what you're kind of describing with the beauty pageant is like getting something similar to that so that i can't that's like the one way i can kind of try to imagine what that must be like but you know you have experience with it and you had positive experiences and that counts for everything so that's awesome yeah Yeah. well okay well we we got off track talking about gattaca for a second and the point you were about to make is that i think what the point you're about to make is that in the episode uh, Man Against Man Against Fire. It seems like, um, and I agree with you. It seems like there's some sort of like genetic modification happening to the populace yes. at large to make them um, quote unquote superior and have yep. you know lower rates of disease. And it yep. seems like the roaches are probably people who were born naturally, like in yep. Gattaca. Um, uh-huh. e- what's his, Ethan? What's his name's character? What's that? Sure. Ethan. Ethan. Hawk? Hawk. Yeah, that's it. Is Ethan that Hawk. It? I, I only know it. like one Ethan. I was gonna say Ethan Hunt, <laughs> but that's. Isn't that Tom Cruise's character in Mission I, Impossible? You, I don't sounds know. White. Um, anyway, Ethan Hawke. Um, yeah, so his character was born naturally and therefore doesn't have, you know, the same opportunities yeah. that other people have who are born in this system of, you know, genetic modification. Selection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so sort of scientific selection instead of natural selection. And I right. that is what I was thinking during this episode as well, is that the way that the psychologist describes the roaches and what's wrong with them is that they have higher rates of disease and um, you know, all of these all of these things that he lists off, which like depending on how you read data could or couldn't be true. Um like right. if you have I mean, this is what happens in our country right now, is like um like uh, like COVID-19 is a great example where it's disproportionately affected um, black and brown communities in America. Yep. And 
there would be a way to read that data to say that black and brown communities are are have a higher rate of disease than white communities in America. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's happening in this episode. It's like you're not taking in the full the fullness into account. It's like, yeah, maybe they have a higher rate of disease because they live in these horrible shacks and they're and you're not giving them the same medical care that you have exactly and they're always like running they're on the run right and then they're probably like finding love with one another and then like procreating and then making more babies and so the government's like we've got to control this population right how do we do it let's create a war how do we do how do we get a whole bunch of people to kill innocent humans well how about we just like implant them with this mask that shows them that they are monsters and, and you blah, get, blah, blah. you hire, well, hire, you enlist soldiers who are apathetic enough about yeah. what's going on to, to agree to it. Because Stripe in the beginning when you see, or not the beginning, but the end of the episode when you see his flashback, like in his video where you see him before he was a soldier. Um, and you can see that he just like doesn't know what he's signing up for. He's yeah. just there for a paycheck or there for the health yeah, insurance like, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 cool, 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 sign me up. Right, like he's just, you know, in a place in his life where he just needs something and this seems like it could provide it and i think yeah. i feel like that's why a lot i mean that totally makes sense that's why a lot of people join the military is because they um they want they want to better their lives somehow you yeah. know um so i i love that little detail that he obviously was in a state where he couldn't really recognize the gravity of the decision he was making mm-hmm. um and then lives inside of this system that he is uh you know, trapped inside of basically, because there's this thing implanted in his brain controlling how he sees the world. Um, I just, it's so like, it's such good science fiction, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just wondered, and you know, I just wondered specifically about like, I know you're not like, you're specifically nonviolent. And so I was like, this gets a little, that I was like, I wonder if he's going to like this episode, but. Right. And yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's brilliantly laid out. Yeah, I think so too. I think the violence was used extremely effectively. Um, like, I don't, I hate violence for violence's sake. I hate violence mm. for entertainment purposes only. Like, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, I feel like, was way more violent than it needed to be for the story to the point where it actually made things more confusing. It's like, why did that guy's, why did his eyes explode like that? Like, it takes you out of the <laughs> moment of like watching the episode um, versus like something like this where the violence. Um, the level of violence that Stripe inflicts on the roaches is directly proportionate to the level of remorse he feels when he realizes that it's a human. And as a as a viewer, you have to go along that journey with him for the episode to resonate. So I feel like the violence is completely justified in this episode. And yes, it's disturbing and hard to watch, but it's supposed to be because it's trying to make you take a second look at war and think about why we are fighting, who we are fighting. And like this is directly applicable to us, you know, right now, like, so many wars are fought for political reasons and you know so many wars are started for political reasons because historically if you are the leader of a country or or whatever um in times of conflict it is less advisable to switch leadership and oftentimes Mm. when you go into conflict you kind of rally up the troops but i do know that um that there is a historical precedent for people starting conflict in order to maintain power or solidify their own power and that's the thing that i like really worried about um and thought about when watching this episode you know yeah and Absolutely. that's what I worry about right now in our country. I worry about that yeah. all the time in our country. I feel like that happens in our country it all, the all the time. Yeah, all absolutely. The time. On on both sides of the aisle. Like I don't trust 
politics anymore. I still think it's like incredibly important to vote because as much as I don't trust politics, like we still have to have our say and we, you still have to do everything you can to have your say because having your say is the most important thing. And whether or not there are clear paths to doing that is something I don't trust, but you still have to try because not trying, Mm -hmm. not trying is voting for the opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought this episode, you know, brought up a lot of really brilliant ideas. And yeah, I was um, very disturbed by the violence, but very okay with it as far as like a storytelling Getting device. a point across. Yeah, absolutely. I think they did an amazing yeah. job. But, uh, but let's talk about like the the mass itself. I mean, you have um, a father who served. I have mm-hmm. a grandfather who served. Um, I know people who served. Like it is... An incredibly brave thing to do like i really have so much um deep respect for people who are willing to put their lives on the line to defend our country and mm-hmm. i mean all the issues with our country aside i still think that that is an important thing to remember um and if there was a way to make it easier for them to do their jobs uh even if it showed them something that wasn't real is that good i don't know i feel like the the inherent dishonesty of it and the 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 fact that it is way too easy to take advantage of the soldiers yeah in this case in the episode itself makes it obvious that it's bad but in real life if there was some way to do that that would help um deal with trauma then i'd i'd want to think twice about it i still think it would be bad i think the the right thing to do would be to provide better care for soldiers after they've been discharged Um, yes because i feel like if you're going to take the life of another human being it is extremely important that you be conscious of why when and where you were doing that yeah i feel like that needs to be the last resort and not something that's done as if it were a video game as it Mm -hmm. is for these soldiers in the episode so i still feel like i'm against this but but uh how do you feel i feel the same way i you know i'm i'm healthily healthily and when i say you know how people are like you you like get mashed potatoes and they're like give me a healthy scoop of mashed potatoes right i have a healthy scoop of skepticism Mm. for science-based implants period sure good and uh anything especially that's like super technologically advanced no um you remember back in the day i don't know if they're still doing this shit but like Christians knew about it because we kept saying it was the end of the end times. <laughs> but like, do you, did you hear about like the people who were getting their like credit card chip implanted in their hands so they could just like swipe no, with their hand? I don't remember that. Well, okay. That's, that's that was crazy. like a few years. It was a few years back. A couple of people were doing, I think there was like a company who did chips in people's hands so they could just like scan their hand to come into the job or whatever. Yeah. And like Christians know, I knew about it because I was in church and they were telling us like, you know, sign of the times, mark of the beast, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I was just like, yeah, I ain't doing that shit, but not just because of like Christianity, but also because like, don't fucking put a chip in my hand. I don't right. know what that chip is going to do. Things get lost all the time. So, like even, even the implants that we are, that are medically safe. And I put that in quotes, like there are still issues that can arise from like, uh, uh, a replacement hip, hmm. a screw that you put in your knee. Do you know what I mean? Like there are right. still things that like fuck up. Every day. Now right. you tell me you want to put a remote operated sh- shiggity dig <laughs> behind my eye that makes me see the shit that you want me to see. Right. The answer is no. Yeah. The answer it, is no. It, as we're going to find out in the next episode, Hated in the Nation, anything can be hacked. 
you know, and that part, when I realized yeah. what hating the nation was, I was like, these are, these are fantastic. These are wonderful episodes to end upon. Absolutely. Well, let's get into hate in the nation, but let's before do we that. do, let's rate, uh, men against fire. How would you rate this one? I'll put out a nine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, as far as like everything that's great, it would be a 10. I'm just not just the, the subject matter. It's just a little too close to home for my taste. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and dock them at one point only because like it might be too real. So nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a, uh, fuck. I feel like I want to give it like a nine and a half because I'm thinking of 15 million merits is my perfect 10 black mirror episode. And I actually think this episode is as good as 15 million merits. I think that as far as like developing a science fiction idea that, that has direct correlation to real world um, ethical dilemmas that we are currently facing as a culture. I feel like this episode um, is maybe even more powerful than 15 million merits, but 15 million merits is just like such an incredible piece of TV, like such a great ride. And San Junipero same is like, they're just like perfect episodes where like there's some, something that's the sum of their parts. That's just, perfection and you just can't imagine it being any better so i can't i feel like i but it's still a 10 out of 10 fuck it it's a 10 out of 10 episode i can like some 10 out of 10 episodes better than others i talked myself up to a 10 i can't give it you know what i wonder about okay i'm gonna i'm gonna attempt to talk you back down to a 9.5 do you want to know why yes (laughs) think about the endings of 15 million merits and yeah san junipero okay you love those endings because the the 50 million merits first of all just like hit you in the face with what he chose to do yeah right and like the way that he got to live by the end of that episode and that right. everything like is still continuing protecting his shard of glass in this little uh-huh. case yes mm-hmm. looking out into Living a in landscape and we don't know if it's real or digital uh-huh. yes i love but it everyone else is watching him on the bikes right 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 adding glass shards to their avatars right right oh it's great it's so good okay san junipero first yeah. of all lesbian love story with amazing human beings at the center like they're not just lesbians for the sake of being lesbian right they are like humans they have character arcs they have everything about them right yeah and you have the fact that you can upload your conscious into this thing when you die so that you can continue to live with maybe a, a new person to love or the person that you actually love in real life yeah hopeful ending wonderful ending yeah oh beautiful ending and amazing optics from just start to finish shows like, you with joy for piece. days you just okay like, take in this life energy from the ending of san junipero now yeah does the ending of men against fire hold up to those two endings i think that um realizing that this like not knowing who this woman he's dreaming of the whole episode not knowing who she is and like you have a couple of dreams with her um this like the most obvious one being the one where there's like five of her um, and then finding out in the end that she is like part of the program, that she's not even real, that she lives in his mind, seeing that tear, wondering why he's crying, seeing where they make him sleep, seeing that like his own government has no respect or for for this soldier doesn't value him enough to give him a real nice house to be in. He has to have this like dilapidated shack that they've just made look good in his mind. Um, I feel like there's so much reveal in that last scene that like, interlocks with the rest of the episode from a writing standpoint beautifully and sort of um amplifies the emotional impact of the entire story without going too far or overtaking the story without confusing you 
besides the fact is like why is he crying but i feel like why is he crying is like looking at this character as a real fleshed out human instead of like a character and worrying about why he's crying given everything that he's just experienced and knowing that he shouldn't remember um anything negative he should be in this happy place and he's not i think that ending rocks i think it is awesome i'm right i just wanted to see you okay. all right great Keep it a 10. Yeah, 10. <laughs> <laughs> i love this episode yeah, yeah okay i just wanted to be sure you know what it gets a 9.5 because no! because i feel like the pacing in the first half was a hair on the slow side okay. whereas all of the other episodes we've talked about a hundred percent of the way through well not all the san junipero my other two 10 out of 10s san junipero and uh 15 million merits there mm-hmm. is no moment of downtime in the storytelling there is no wasted time um you are a hundred percent hooked in all the yeah. time i feel like you could trim out three or four minutes of the first yeah. half of this episode and have a better episode so it gets a yeah. 9.5 i did it you did it <laughs> i <Okay>. ruined it <laughs> <laughs> success okay uh let's talk about hated in the nation you want to you want to kick us off the nation. let's let's yeah. let's recap it let's do it quick recap yes. so um there is uh there is a uh 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 what is he a, like a prime minister who decides that um, disabled people, he's going to roll back his, like, allowances on the disabled, um, what is the word? Like, Disabilities Act or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yes. This, this makes the sense guy, and this matters. <laughs> the guy who played, um, what's his name, from Coupling. Have you watched Coupling? That British no, I show? don't know who what that is. Uh, he was playing this, like, serious politician in this episode, and then I, I knew him as this, like horny goofball from coupling and it was like huh. it was hard to picture him differently oh what was his character's oh, name i don't know yeah. him at, i don't know him at but all he was great in this so episode he, he was great yeah and so going. he plays this, this um this prime minister and so everyone like hates him because and you know rightly so he rolled back this like disability thing there is a, a young woman who was in a wheelchair who who went to the like capitol hill and set herself on fire um mm. and so a journalist wrote an article about this um this disabled woman is saying she's not a martyr get off your high horse da, da, right. da, da, da. and that's like the backstory we start yes. the episode with this writer right woman there. yeah yes 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 yeah. so they 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 they're like who is this writer woman her name is joe i don't remember her last name yeah joe um wrote this piece and so everyone's saying how much they hate her someone delivers a cake to her house and the cake uh says fucking bitch on yeah. it um <laughs> Her husband decides to go upstairs and take a bath. She sits down at the computer and she scrolls through her Twitter to see, like, you know, any notifications. Everybody she's saying, like, go to hell, basically. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Her feed's exploding with hate. And then, like, some other things happen. Yeah. And then um, the next thing we're in, we open to a precinct where they get a call that this person has died. They show up to Joe's house. There's blood all over the walls. And there's like a smashed wine bottle and her throat is slit. Yeah. Her husband was in the bathtub um, when he heard the thing. So when he came down to try and stop her, uh, he got hurt in the process. So they, they go to talk to her husband in the, um, hospital. in the hospital. <laughs> and you couldn't think of the word. I'm looking at him in the bed. Could not think of the word. Yeah. The hospital. And, uh, he's like he explains everything that happened she was going mad i tried to stop her i tried to take the bottle she cut me and then she like slit her own throat yeah and like he was like sobbing but everybody's thinking that the husband did it 
Next, we open up on this rapper <laughs> who is sitting down at a news interview and the or like a late night show. The late night host goes, oh, we have this little boy who learned your dance moves. Da, 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 da. He watches little boy's dance moves and says, yeah, that boy can't dance. He should be ashamed of himself. Da, 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 da. Basically just trashes this little boy. The little boy's <laughs> waiting little boy's backstage, backstage. Oh, waiting to come out and no. like dance from his hip hop. No, it's horrible. Yeah, it's his so bad. face it's is funny. just false. It's, it's and he's like so- dressed as the rapper. He's like this little mini version. Yes. And the rapper is dragging him for filth. Yeah. Like just shitty. It's like he's jealous and- that this little kid got any attention for using his own yes. dance moves and hates yes. him for it. And it's like, fuck you, and guy. And then <laughs> we finally get our first clue, which is somebody tweets hashtag death to and the rapper's name. I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, me neither. Um and let's call him like Groff. Death to Groff. Okay. And I don't know why. And uh so Groff is leaving his um his th- like okay i also need to stop and rewind because at the very top of the show we learn that there are these adis automatic drone insect something yes. like that and robot they are bees. Be- robot bees to help repollinate the flowers right and they're like they um they were created by this company and then the company like set them free and then they went and started populating themselves yeah and they're all they are legit mechanical drone bees and can be um and can be remote operated to just go to pollinate yeah. plants or whatever. Which makes perfect sense because our bees are dying out and we're going to yes. need to do something like this if the human race is to survive, like to figure yeah. out how to pollinate um if the bees are all gone because of climate right. change and like various reasons a, a lot of bees have died. So this like the first part of the episode where you just see mechanical bees, I'm like, "Oh, that's a great background and element." They're hopping, just to they're tell hopping you like Flowers. yeah just to tell you that we're in a near future sci-fi mm-hmm. here because we have mm-hmm. these robot bees and it's like oh that makes sense because bees are dying in real life so i and the first part of the episode is just background yeah so then when we get to groff he's standing in a uh in like a carport and somebody's asking him like his his security guard is right next to him we see a bee yeah in the foreground just kind of come up and look at him and then flies up to him and then like he starts holding his head like trying to get like scratching at his head trying to get his head to be cleared and then somebody comes up like whoa 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 what's going on what's going on well the security guard has enough mind to get him to like the hospital they sedate him yeah so while he's sedated they're like let's put him in the mri see he was holding his head let's see what happens they put him in the mri which is a big ass magnet and that becomes sucking out of his head which is gross kills him but like Kills him instantly. Comes out of his head. Rips and then they his were brain. Like, oh. That's horrible. Uh, and then so like mechanical B. Yeah. So now that first precinct that was investigating Joe's death finds out there's another B that happened. And so now they're starting to look into it. Right. And what they find out is that if anybody tweets this hashtag death to and this person, a person's name, they have, it's like this, um, they find like a manifesto in one of the bees that's like, if uh, whoever, ha- however many votes they get by 5 p.m., that 5 p.m., that person will be eliminated. Yeah. So basically, like, cancel culture turned Can- deadly. <laughs> turned deadly. Like, cancel yeah. culture, but like, cancel, your life yeah. is canceled. Like, whoever Twitter is most mad at will die yep. that day. Yes. Because, these, because this guy has hacked these bees. Yes. And he's figured out how to use them to kill people by having them like fly in their ears or nose and go right up yes. their brains and kill them. Yep. Yeah. And so this little girl, not little girl, maybe t- late 20s, 
Well, she like took a picture of something lewd at a monument, like right. at a like the essentially like maybe like peeing on the Holocaust monument, not like that, but like something like that. Like she's pretending to pee like on that. something that some people take very seriously. Yes. Yeah. And they somebody tweets out death too, and she yeah. gets all the votes. So yep. the police try to like house her basically take her to secure uh wit yeah. sec, like witness security and the feds have gotten involved at this point with the guy played by benedict wong who's in the marvel movies and okay I, I love that actor i think he did an awesome job in this but yeah they they try to protect this woman who's you know the next person on the list with you know the the top up votes with yep. the death two or the most retweets yep. yeah and um and they try to house her they try to shut everything down and one, the bees realize, like, oh, she's not going to let us get to her. So there is a swarm yeah. who come to that house and try and take over every room until they can find her. And, like, it's, it is probably the scariest looking scene. Uh, it's great. It's classic, like, Hitchcockian yeah. Yeah. horror. Birds. The birds, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where this, yeah. like, swarm of tiny insects um, with a mind, like, a sort of, and, like, like, one mind coming after you. Yeah. And Benedict was like hive mind. Ha, ah, get it? Um, there's like, uh, Benedict is, uh, did you see, you hear what I said? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I don't I get just, it. You, you, hive mind, you know, like when you have hive mind, where like everybody, it's almost like mob mentality, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like a more. hive of bees? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so. I guess I do get it. <laughs> okay, it went over a lot going. better in my head. Um, yeah. So the character, Benedict's character is outside all the sore bees completely pass him. Right. They don't bother with him. Now he's scared and he's swatting, but they don't do anything to him. They're not there yeah. for him. Just this one uh, woman. Seriously. So they lock themselves in the bathroom and, and they try to like cover all the holes, but they don't get to the fan and, mm. and the, the bees come through the fan, get right into her ear. And then sh the police officer, the main character police officer is holding baby girl yeah. while she gets racked by this bee. It's a great scene because it starts with this like huge swarm coming after you. And then as they like try to get through the mailbox and then try to find any crack into the house, yeah. it gets smaller and smaller until you just have a couple of bees in the bathroom with them. And then all it took yeah. was one. one. And they tried like holding her mouth and like trying to yeah. hold her ears and just keep it out of her body. And they just can't. Couldn't. This one couldn't tiny little thing they just couldn't fight yeah. against. It was really, really well done. It snuck in there. It did its job. Everybody else left. Like yeah. all the bees left yeah so then they're like this is a real threat so right. they go that like now that the federal you know agencies are involved they go to this the next person who was on the list is the prime minister right and he was number one they have this board meeting they're like it's a real deal like you have got to like you've got to you've got to do something about it the prime minister has this meeting where like all the cabinet is there and they yeah. find out that he is like number one right and people are voting him up people are sending those tweets with the hashtag death too because of his rollback on the disabilities act and like they are giving it to him and he is pissed and scared he is like yeah. save my life and also like three people down from him is another person who like fucked up and did something stupid i can't remember what it was but he did something and the the prime minister was like, don't we have a paper on him saying some shit about oh, right. something? He's trying and to like, he was get it to, off of him onto someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, Basically yeah. trying to leak this thing that'll make the yeah. other man jump in ratings and then he will be 
survived. He's like, let's shut down the entire internet. And they're like, I don't think that's a good idea because then the voting can't shift from you. He's yep. like, okay, leave it open. Yep. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't care leave about anyone's life but his own. And that's he's in it. panic mode. So they're trying, they're going to try it. But, and so they go, they finally figure out. So the police like go into like the manifesto and root him out, find this picture of this man, yeah. find out who he is. Yeah, and then they he left find like out. some. He left a trail of breadcrumbs. We find out later he left a trail of breadcrumbs on purpose. On purpose. Um, yeah, because we're heading into the purposeful thing, which is while they they go back to this company and the company is like, "Great, I have all these things. I have controlled the bees," and they're saying, "Shut every bee down." Yeah, and the the one girl, uh, one of the police officers, when they find out who the guy was that was had manufactured this whole like takeover of the bees. He tweeted out death to whatever his name was, like Dylan Boyle. Yeah, so like, like one of the people working the case, yeah, like one, one of the, the desk workers tweets yes. out death to with the actual name of the guy who caused this. Which, yeah. like, when you're watching, you're like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. He'll know, yeah. he'll know. Like, don't do that. He'll it's know. so stupid. Yeah. Of course, but he does it anyway. Yeah, of course. And uh, we see the man, we see the perpetrator, see that tweet, yeah, kind of like roll his eyes and yeah. like he, he close up shit. his laptop, yeah. like it's whatever. Um, and then, so we're at that, we're at company headquarters for these bees. The police is like, shut this shit down. Benedict, the, the, the actor Benedict, I don't know yeah, what his Benedict character is, so I'll call him. Yeah. Benedict says, shut it down, shut it down. The guy who's running the company is like, we can't do that. We can't do that. Right. The girl next to him says, what if it triggers a fail safe? And then it's right. like, what? And then he's like, there's a list. Like he, they pull up this huge, like backdoor list. That yeah. has every person who ever tweeted the hashtag death to. Right. And she says, something's not right. Don't shut down those bees. Right. And he, and he was like, what, what? Benedict reaches over him, hits the enter button and shuts all the bees off. So then the bees go offline. The guy, the company guy goes, okay, it did it. It happened. But then you see everything turn red. Yeah. All the bees turn red, and you know those bees are headed for every person who ever tweeted hashtag death to. Which is like 300,000 people. Yeah, and it, because the whole thing was called the game of consequences. Right. So, yeah. anybody who tweeted it got a bee headed straight for them. And then we go back, I guess we didn't tell like at the very opening of this episode... One of the cops was on trial giving her testimony. Yeah, and, that's and like it was about like throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like yeah. she's basically described telling us what is happening right. with these bees. And then they said, "Well, what happened to such and such the girl who said don't shut them down because we think that that's going to hurt more than it will help?" And she's like, "Uh, she's like, well, she, we think that she just went into the river, like into the ocean. She left all her clothes, and so we think she committed suicide." Yeah. But at the very last scene, we see that she had found we he she ended up in the in the country where the guy was the originator and just followed him. So we don't know yeah. anymore. Is there a consequence there? No clue. But like, yeah, like the episode ends with her walking around a corner stalking this guy, probably yeah. to go kill him. Yeah, um, yeah, because he killed three hundred thousand people with these bees. Yeah. Um, yeah, this episode is great. It is yeah. so good. It's like a little yeah. movie. It's an hour and a half long. It really feels it like watching a movie. And it, it has this slow burn to it. It's very Hitchcockian. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I loved Hitchcock when I was younger. I didn't see that many, but I was really into the... But the ones I saw, I was like really into. I saw like a handful of Hitchcock movies. Um, have you seen Rope or heard of Rope before? 
I have. I love that movie. Rope. I have seen The Birds. I have seen Rear Window. I have seen Psycho. Yeah. Um, I think I took a lit into film class. Yeah. Uh, once in high school and we watched a lot of Hitchcock. We watched, yeah, we like seen... read things and then we watched cool. a lot of Hitchcock. I've seen all of those plus like one or two others. Um, and they're definitely a mixed bag. Like some of them are really boring. <laughs> like Rear Window, I didn't really care for and thought it was just kind of slow and like didn't necessarily mind le- it. lead anywhere. It used to be anywhere. one of my favorites. Oh, interesting. But yeah, mm-hmm. Rope I love. Like Rope um, is uh, like two people kill a third person and then invite that person's family over for a dinner party with that person's body inside of a, a dresser mm-hmm. in the room in the middle of the room yeah. yeah um just to see if they can just to try to get away with it um uh, but but uh it's a great movie but anyway like the birds is obviously the real parallel here where the birds is very similar and this mm-hmm. idea that all of a sudden this like force of nature is attacking you and it's such a great way to reimagine that story by having that force of nature be mechanical be something that humans yeah. have created and set loose into nature which has then kind of developed on the one hand it's developed a bit of a mind of its own because um the bees have started like propagating themselves and they yeah. like, make mechanical hives yeah um, but on the other hand they because it is mechanical they are vulnerable to hacking and that's like obviously what happens is this guy hacks this um this network of bees that and once he has control of that, like he can kill anyone he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's terrifying to meld that with this idea of, you know, social media, cancel culture, mm-hmm. um, people's like, you know, 24 hour long period of anger where they get so pissed at a celebrity and like post all this hateful stuff, but it's just a game. So why does it matter to then say that that is a life or death situation is brilliant. I mean, such mm-hmm. a great way to look at what's going on with, you know, Twitter and all that stuff right now. Um, and also it's just like, this episode was just really entertaining. It's like, yeah. uh, really stressful and it, it has that slow burn fear to it that Hitchcock movies have where it's like, where is this going? This is going somewhere. And then by the time it gets there, it's like, oh my God, I should have seen this coming, but hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of people are going to die. Um, and like even for the characters as well, like they, they should have seen it coming. And one of them even does like you have these two badass female detectives working the case and they figure it out. And then it's this, you know, federal agent who's operating on fear more than anything else that ends up triggering this fail safe. But obviously yeah. it's not his fault. It is the fault of the guy who programmed this. It is, yes. you know, this, this one dude who's like hiding out in some South American country, it's his fault. And I yeah. really hope that he gets what he deserves at the end even though they left it a little open under open-ended as to whether or not he does um what what do you think should he be killed by this woman or should he be taken into custody like what do you think should happen custody for sure i but i don't know how she plans to do it it was just her you said taken in custody oh Oh, yes taken into custody for sure yeah and i feel like the that's the only like unsatisfactory part of this episode Mm -hmm. is she walks around the corner and then the end yeah and it's like She's by herself. What's she going to do? Just kill him? Because that's stupid. I think that just killing him is stupid. I think that like making him stand trial and do all that extra nonsense, the embarrassment to make him hated in the nation. Mm. Yes. Like I would rather see that. Yeah. Should he be put into a white bear park and forced to have bees attack him every day? No, because then we, how we discussed about white bear. The problem with that was she didn't fucking know she was that she had done it because they kept wiping her memory. Right. 
So right. then it's like, well, then do you put him in white bear, but let him keep his memory so that he knows why he's there. Yeah. But it wouldn't be called white bear. It'd be called like the beehive. <laughs> you had you that so I mean? fast. Yeah. Yeah. Put him and, in the know, beehive. We, we talked about that with white bear, but I do agree that I feel like making someone experience something who like for all intents and purposes didn't commit it because they don't remember it kind of misses the point versus like locking someone away, taking away their freedom the rest of his life will be spent suffering the consequences. Or because even of if this. he's given like given a given the death sentence, right? If he's given the death sentence and he stays in jail for however long, so then you have the like serving of time behind bars, and then like his death is like A B coming all up in that room. And he, yeah. And this, do you know totally. what I mean? So that yeah. he gets to experience what he inflicted on everybody else. Right. My my one thing about this guy is that he's so smart. I mean he mm-hmm. he hacked an unhackable system of bees. He built in all of these back doors for back doors. Like he had everything so planned out that even if you catch him, even if you get him in custody, he could slip away somehow. Like he, he's hacked everything, you know, like what so then if, if you're by that standard, then why should, why was she there by herself? Because then it's like, I think she's going to kill him for her. She's going to get killed. No, she's going to get killed. I think that she's going to just like shoot him in the back. And that's what I think happens oh. next in that episode. I know it like, ends there, but this, you have this man who's able to do so much and you're following him. And also right by yourself, he went yeah. down a, he went down an alley by himself and then she followed by herself. Yeah. Like to me, that's way more suspicious than like her passing the alley and being like, I saw what alley he went down because Ain't nobody else down that alley but him and her. Yeah. He's going to know he's being followed. Like, I feel like there should be better... You Do you hear what I'm trying to say? I do. And I, I think the reason they did it this way is because the only way to catch this guy was for her to, to quote unquote, die, go off the grid, and then find him. Because mm. he's so good at knowing if someone's following him and so good at covering his tracks that they probably couldn't find him through traditional means. They can't just roll up on him with the SWAT because they've tried that and he wasn't there. No, but I'm saying even for her, she's she's died, she's right. off the grid, right? No, right, no I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> but, but she's I think like tracking why, him too closely. That's why I think that she is about to shoot him in the back. I think that, okay. I think that like three seconds later, there's a gunshot. That's what I, okay. that's what I took from that. Um, but yeah, but this is like an interesting case where it's like, is there any safe way to contain this this sadistic asshole who just killed 300,000 people. Um, and even though like the message he's trying to pe- treat, the message he's trying to teach is valid, you know, yeah. like the message of like your words have consequence. And when yeah. you throw hate at someone online, it can really affect them. And, and people, your actions on online have consequences. Absolutely. That you is are a not huge protected thing. by being behind your computer screen. You can't just tweet whatever the fuck you want to anybody and be safe in your home. Right. No, a bee will be coming through your window post haste. That's why this episode is brilliant is because it teaches that moral without 300,000 people having to die. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the message that this guy is trying to get across. the, The episode gets across really well. And it really makes you stop and think about like, what am I doing with my social media? And like, I... You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a hater online. Like I don't post or tweet hate at people. Um, but even I like took a second look at how I was using social media. And I hope that this would reach somebody who is a hater online to see that like, man, you can really like hurt people. And there are people in real life that kill themselves because they are the, you know, yes. like the, this woman, Carolyn this Flack, who was the host of uh, Love Island UK killed herself because she was had some like trial coming up and she was getting so much hate online and she was so afraid of oh, of terrible. going going to trial she killed herself. 
So like, wow. this is real, this happens. And th it's such a valuable message to put out there. And I mean, I've been talking about this since episode one of this podcast that I love science fiction because it can frame our real world and make you think about our real world and try to make the world a better place by examining society now through the lens of where we're going or where we could go. And this episode mm -hmm. does a brilliant job of that. And and is just so goddamn entertaining as it's happening. It's like, and this is like a real one-two punch of good black yeah. mirror this week. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. And I feel like I, I've been a hater online. I'm not a, I'm not a hater at pe at people. You hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Because I already, I, I know that people are humans. I don't know. I just do. Um, like, oh, for example, if we take it back to the pageantry full circle, hmm. there used to be these boards <laughs> that people could go on and like talk just mad shit about the girls. Like message and boards? I, was, I heard boards. Huh? I heard Borg and I was like, oh God, but you're talking about message boards. Yeah, message yeah. boards. <laughs> and like, uh, I remember I wore this, I had a church com a concert at church the night of the Miss Teen, the Miss Washington's Outstanding Teen pageant in 2012. I went to church and then I went from church to this pageant, right? Okay. So I'm wearing like a, I'm wearing like a silver, it's actually a dirndl, a German folk dancing costume. Um, but my best friend gave it to me and it's, uh, and I use it as a dress cause she said I could wear it and she gave it to me. So I wear it and I had this like uh, white sleeve button up and it was gorgeous, had this gorgeous yellow belt on it, silver gray, like these gorgeous military buttons going up the front. It's a gorgeous piece. They ripped me to shreds because they said that I looked like basically like a little house on the prairie type. Uh -huh. Like I was too dressed like for church. Da -da -da. Like they talked mad shit about me on the message boards. Wow. And like these are old white women um, who probably ain't never competed in the pageant in their lives, could never ever in their lives. But like have, you know, have the wherewithal to be running their fingers at me. And not even thinking that I would ever be able to see that. Not even caring that I am a human yeah. and have feelings, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, even before then, but ever since then, that was 2012, I know that people are human. And so I'm not going to tweet at somebody that I don't like just because I don't like them and say, yeah, fuck you. You're terrible. Why, why are you even doing this, right? I will say that there have been TV shows that I've talked mad shit about and that I will continue to talk mad shit about. <laughs> I've not tweeted about American Idol, but I'm hugely against it. I think it's a trash television show. Yeah. I auditioned for it. I know what happens behind the scenes. It's trash. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, I think they gave us really great talent. Like I'm here for, you know, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Fantasia Barino, like amazing human beings, but I'm not, I hate, the show is terrible. It's a terrible show. Now, and there was also a show called Empire on Fox. I don't yeah. know if you know. Do you know Empire? I haven't. I've heard of it. I've seen the previews. Okay. And I know of it because the guy who created it played Jonathan in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really? Like one of the co-creators. Yeah, he was. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Buffy? That's awesome. I, I used to back in way back. Do you remember Jonathan? No, I don't. He was like That's this, uh, this nerdy guy in the early seasons who became one of the villains in the later seasons, actually. Nice. Yeah um well but a really interesting character extremely well performed like very memorable character but and also like super nerdy uncomfortable guy and he grew up to be this like suave tv producer in real life it's crazy i'm gonna look up jonathan buffy the vampire slayer yeah danny strong yeah yeah danny strong that's him did he really do empire yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it 
Well, he like co co produced it. Co created it. He yeah. sure did. Yeah, so I haven't seen Empire, but that's like all I know about it. And I was that's very interesting. Flabbergasted so by that. well, I um so th- the first season of Empire had like because Empire was about a record company, right? And so it was just about their artists and and then like a whole bunch of drama. It was a huge soap opera. But like they kept having these people come on and they would write these like before before Empire like took off, they were writing like terrible songs. Like but they would release them as actual soundtracks because they would use real singers or real rappers, but they just were just unknown before Empire. Uh-huh. But there was one point where they had these singers on the show and they would auto-tune the shit out of their voices, mm-hmm. Jesse. <laughs> that drives like, me crazy. Like, auto-tune it to, the, to hell. Yeah. Auto-tune their voices to hell. To the point where it's like, I don't think these people can sing because you've auto-tuned them so bad. Right. Like most audio so, engineers don't know how to use auto-tune in a way that is transparent. And also, um, the the best way to do it is to have a good singer. <laughs> how about that? So that you don't so, need to auto-tune. It sounds way more so realistic. I, the only thing I've ever tweeted that might be like haterish on anything is that I have tweeted that auto-tune should win Best Supporting Actor for Empire. That's like, that's not haterish. That's a good line. <laughs> that's pretty funny. No, I mean, I'm talking about people that like, you know, go like see somebody that they like, who let's say that there's like someone who's gay and then someone like slides into their DMs and tweets all this hatred at them. Or, you know, my friend yeah. Robin Eisenberg is this um, artist who really blew up on Instagram. She makes incredible like outer space art. It's amazing. It's my favorite. We have several pieces of it up in my house. I knew her in college and I've just been like overjoyed to see how her career has blown up. But she actually just, um, like her, her art just popped up on my newsfeed this week because she did the, uh, variant cover for a wonder woman comic for DC. Nice. And she depicted wonder woman as like really like busty with huge hips and, um, like just looking more like a realistic person and Mm -hmm. it's awesome. It's like really great empowering art and I love it, but she's been getting written about a lot because people are dogging her and like people are, I've seen some of it on her Instagram too. Like people are just dogging her and saying like, um, like how, how could you think that a superhero would have a body like this? Like this just doesn't make any sense. Um, you're obviously, you're obviously an idiot who should never have been hired by a DC to, to draw characters that mean so much to so many people. It's like really hateful, spiteful, terrible mm-hmm. things being directed at my friend who did something awesome. You know, like she did something fucking awesome. She should be celebrating right now because she had this amazing opportunity and she knocked it out of the park with this like awesome piece of art. And instead she's getting hate from like stupid, like dudes, you know, like stupid men right. who like have it in their head that they're, um, like someone said something like you don't have any common sense because common sense says that superheroes bodies wouldn't be this way. It's like, buddy, you're talking about a fictional fucking character. How you, about that? Your common sense is telling you that the lasso of truth makes sense, but this woman can't have hips. Your common sense is broken, sir. Like you are a victim of, <laughs> of your own stupidity. So to like spew that hatred at my friend makes me so mad. And yeah. like, Everybody thinks that they're right about everything, but there's always another side to the story. And to just project your side of the story without being open to anyone else's voice or to just like throw hatred at someone without hearing their voice first, 
like can never be the right way to go. You know, like give uh-huh. people a, like have a conversation with people, approach them in a way where it's like you can get your point across without being hateful. You know, it's not that hard. Just give it some forethought and you can do it. Um, and then you can learn something because you leave the door open for someone else to come back at you with their point of view. And that's how you grow and, and learn. So I, I hate that whole culture. It really bothers me. And I, um, I do feel like, you know, sometimes I'm critical of things on this show and I always try to, um, I always try to say like, this is just my opinion. This is how I feel about Mm -hmm. this. And like, maybe I hated this episode, but here are the reasons why here are the things I actually liked about it. And I always Mm -hmm. try to give a full picture and not just like be one of those horrible dudes who just like review bomb star Wars, the last Jedi uh, without actually trying to see it for what it is because it doesn't meet their expectations. Um, like that whole culture just really bothers me. It drives me crazy. Yeah. And like, we just have to realize that people are people, like they're actually human beings behind. And like the thing that we could be putting down could be somebody's dream. Absolutely. And yeah. And on the other side, it is important to, it is important to develop a thick skin. Like, absolutely. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to, like, you need to be able to handle these things when they come at you, you know? Like, I just got some hate recently for something that I released, and I'm like, great. You know, because I, like, I released uh, the synth pop version of my Deep Space Nine theme on my YouTube page. I played it on the podcast recently. Actually, I'll play it at the end of this segment to transition us into Star Trek talk with Doug about Lower Decks. Um, But uh, I'm really proud of it. I recorded a synth pop version of the Deep Space Nine theme. I put it up on YouTube and I posted it on Reddit, which is a real, you know, I've learned that if you're going to post something on Reddit, be ready for people to hate it. Um, But I got a really overwhelmingly great response for it. And it was really exciting. Like people were stoked on it. I'm like, oh my God, this feels so good. I'm so happy. But there was a couple of people who were just like, I hate it. You know, like, I think it's terrible. Um, Or like saying some mean things about it. And for me, it's like, I'm glad that this reached a big enough audience that I got some negative feedback. Because like this show, I've gotten almost no negative feedback. I don't think I've ever really gotten negative feedback about this podcast. And that's because the audience isn't that big, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I'd love to get some negative feedback because it would help me know which direction to go. I I always felt like I was kind of um, just like searching through like endless possibilities of what a podcast could be to try to find a version that would, you know, give me some feedback so I could know which way to go. And I never really feel like I achieved that. I don't know if I agree to a certain extent though, hmm. because I don't know what, at what point, wh- why, why should anyone want to give negative feedback? Like not everyone's going to like what you make. And sometimes you're going to find yourself in a position where people aren't liking it for racist, homophobic, sexist, disgusting reasons. And that's right. what Robin's running into. And sometimes you're going to run into it because it's not their cup of tea. Like this person doesn't like synthesizers sounds that I like. So they didn't like this version and I don't give a Real. shit. Like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like that's totally fine. And they, you know, some of them were slightly rude about it, but most of them weren't. They're just like, that's yeah, not for me. But like if 10 years ago, I would have interpreted that as like a personal attack, you know, and yeah. now I don't because I've learned that it's not, but but people are personally attacking my friend Robin. They're personally attacking characters in this episode. Like that's the type of hate that I think we need to um, do something about in our society. And I think awareness of it is the first step, like the type of online hate when you're actually attacking someone that you've never met based off of a third party report of what they've done. Like that's, we, we need to curtail that behavior because it's so dangerous and troubling. And like, you can be, 
you know, uh, like seen guilty in the court of public opinion without a chance to defend yourself or even share your side of the story. And that, that is scary. Right. Forgot where I was going. (laughs) No, I think that we got to the same, we got to the same point, which is like, I had asked why, why would anyone want to post their negative feedback? Cause I just don't think that it makes sense to, why do you feel like your opinion is so important that you have to share when you don't like a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I I would, I, and I, I guess I, I, I do that on Facebook sometimes. I'm like, I didn't really care for this. I'm always wanting to know about conversation. So like if I post, like, I didn't like this thing or like, I want to know what people thought about this thing. It's because I want to have a conversation. Like I don't dismiss the mark for me and I'm trying to figure out if I'm the only one, but like, I'm not, I'm not also like, Hey, like this, this, like tweeting at, at blackish hated this episode. Terrible. Like who, who care? Why do, why do I think that my opinion matters so much? I need to tell somebody that they're terrible. But if you were to say at blackish, I felt disappointed by this episode because it perpetuated this stereotype that I hate or something like that. I obviously having no idea what you're talking about with this episode of blackish, but like there is a, there is a way to like, sometimes you do feel the need to share why you're upset with something. And sometimes that can be valuable for the other person, but only if you phrase it in a way that is reasonable and like well thought out and careful so that you can try to get that point across. I mean, I guess that makes sense, but I still don't understand why my opinion would matter. Well, Blackish, I think, and like Blackish was just like me yeah, throwing out sure. whatever. I love Blackish. Like I've me never saying seen the Empire it, so. at Empire, uh, like I think you the use of auto tune makes it feel like nobody on your show can actually sing, and it's really trash because there are really good singers out there who are also actors that you're not using, but you're just using auto tune. Like I don't, I still don't understand why my opinion matters. I just and I kept watching the show because yeah. I want black people to have nice things. Well, I do think that that opinion does matter. I think that that is an important thing. And I think that, you know, you getting up on a platform and saying, hey, I think that this is important that like these people spend their lives learning how to sing and they're not getting opportunities because you're giving it because this technology exists, which allows you to cast people who can't sing and make it sound like they can sing because they are more traditionally falling into some sort of castable thing. But instead you could be casting people who are better equipped to do the performance that you're asking them to do. Yeah. Um, if you weren't being, you know, beholden to these ridiculous standards or like network yeah. issues or whatever. So I, I do think that that is an important thing to say. Um, and yeah, and like, I don't know the best way to get that message out, but I feel like the point you were making was like, um, to completely valid. And I feel like the way you said it was like maybe a little heated, but not like unreasonable at all. Okay, great. Basically, I just don't feel like why anyone should, I just don't understand why anyone would want to just give their unsolicited negative feedback. Yeah. I think that's it. That's, I just don't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to see a, a place where that will make sense to me. Even if it yeah. is like helpful feedback, I still don't I, get it. I see the place. If I'm not in the, if I'm not in the fucking, what are they called? Like the ratings boards, the reviews, yeah. the people, they, they have the, the reviews where they watch. We, we want to see if you, the test subjects, if I'm not in that, leaving them a feedback form, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I will say I, I will there was a time that like negative fe- feedback like actually worked. Halle Berry mm-hmm. was about to take a movie about a trans man. Right. And I they, this, they, yeah. s- they said like, oh, Halle, like you're you should do this movie. And Halle was like, I want to do it. I want to do this story justice. Da, 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 da. And a lot of people started tweeting at her like, girl, if you don't sit the fuck down. 
like, and they might not have been nice about it because it's like trans men are not just, are not women playing dress up. So do right. not put a cis woman right. in a trans man's role right. and say that you're doing justice to them. And Hallie was like, thank you so much all for your feedback. I have, I'm not doing the movie. Thank you. And like, yes. that is, and like, they read her. They probably like really dragged Absolutely. her on I'm Twitter. I'm sure she got some real hate there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But also rightly so, because it stopped her right. from making exactly. a huge mistake yeah. that would have gotten her like canceled. <laughs> right. And it, that's a perfect example because she had the wisdom to listen. And that's mm-hmm. really important. It's like, the, I guess that's the, a point that I would counter with. Like, sometimes I do think there is a place for negative feedback for sure. I feel like, as a content creator, getting negative feedback can help me steer in a positive direction. And I want to be successful. I want to get my stuff out there to more people. And oftentimes when you, oftentimes you won't get negative feedback unless you are reaching an audience, which means you're already like hitting a successful milestone, in mm-hmm. which case you have a voice and it is your responsibility to use that voice uh, in the most positive way that you can. And if you're Halle Berry and, and you have that voice and people are shouting at you, Hey, if you do this, it's going to send the wrong message. You got to be able to hear them. And and people yeah. having the opportunity to say that is so amazing and so powerful. Yeah. So it's not like I feel like we should just throw Twitter away and throw social media away. I feel like there is like so much good for society that can come from it. And this whole movement around the murder of George Floyd was something that really like happened because of social media. So and it's so and it's so important. It's like the most important thing that's happened in my lifetime. So like this is a really huge moment in our society and a lot of that's happening because of social media. Like it's like forcing us to take a look at ourselves and how we treat each other. And this is right. the next layer of that is like okay, well we have this now, but we aren't we aren't managing it very well. Like we don't know how to you know, like do we need to police social media? I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what these answers are because now we have companies like Facebook and Twitter um, who are making executive decisions about what is and isn't acceptable content for anyone. And like that is really causing some division because a lot of misinformation is being shut down and a lot of misinformation is from the right wing. And now there is this feeling from the right wing that they are being silenced and that is dangerous. You know, like we can't silence people's opinions, but we can't have misinformation flourish, but misinformation has flourished because of social media. So like this is really complicated and dangerous and people are believing what they read online without vetting it. People aren't believing the news, which is vetted and the news is biased it's incredibly biased it's obvious how biased it is so yeah we are in like a very problematic spot and black mirror is the perfect show to examine that it is like the show of our generation that has examined that and i i still have more to go like i haven't finished watching the show um but since this is the last episode of the podcast i just want to say like i'm really blown away by what i've seen of black mirror so far because it is such good science fiction for all of like discussing social media, which is one of the crushing, like most important flashpoint issues of how our society is going to move forward. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you should keep watching them. You should not stop watching them because we're not talking about them on the podcast. I absolutely but, will. I will definitely talk to you about them. Because, off the podcast. Yeah. Because season four <laughs> is very interesting. Yeah. Season four has, I, I think I told you that white bear was my favorite. I lied. Season four oh. has my favorite episode. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Oh, and I feel like you will really enjoy it when you get to it. I'm really excited. So, I already have um, I already have these like feelings of man, I know I'm gonna want a podcast about that when it happens. Yeah. Um someday I'm gonna have to figure out how to channel those feelings into something because I they're okay. not gonna go away, but I gotta figure that out. Like you, yeah, you know, other platforms are going better for me than podcasting. Um uh-huh. but I'm really excited to try out this new podcast with Major Pain. And there's a part of me that feels like if I can grow a podcast audience where I could find a way to get people to listen to a sci-fi podcast, I would take yeah. it and maybe do something again in the future or even try to bring try to bring something live to YouTube, like with sci-fi on trial. I'm going to try more stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and perhaps we could talk about Black Mirror somewhere, someday, somehow. Because um, I, 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 I mean... I love this, Alexandria. I love it so much. I'm already missing it and we're not even done with this conversation. That's right. You're going to miss me. I was the best part of your podcast. <laughs> Hair flip. Yeah. Um, but no, this was a lot of fun. Like, you know, I was committed to finishing up the whole series and I Bandersnatch. I know it. Um, and I, but I also want you to be healthy. So yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for this. Well, thank you. Um, and if we can find a way to do something in the future, that's like maybe going live on a YouTube or some shit. I don't know. I don't know what the kids do. Yeah. And we can even just try it and see if we like it. I mean, as long as it makes you, I just, whatever does not cause you more stress. Cause yeah. we are already in a very stupid, stupid time in life I know. and only things that make us feel not make us feel better. Cause I mean, you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do sometimes, but like the things, other things you can choose to do, they should edify you, lift you up, build Absolutely. your spirit. And, yeah. um, yeah. And, and like, like content creation is really complicated for me because mm-hmm. it is like, what I'm driven to do, you know, like I wake up every day and I want to make something. And on the mm-hmm. days where I have something to make that I'm excited about, I feel fully human. Like I feel like my full yeah. self. And on the days where I don't have something to do creatively, I feel so sad and depressed. Yeah. Um, but if what I'm making is not, um, like I pour so much of myself into what I make uh-huh. that if I don't get anything back from it, um, either like energy or money or, um, positive feedback or anything um then it starts to feel like i'm just pouring myself out there and like losing bits of myself that i can't afford if that makes sense it's like like an energy thing like i just start to run out of energy um and i have creative projects that i'm doing right now that fill me with energy where like i put them out there and like people get excited about it and it really makes me happy like mercury rising is is right at the top of that list right now where i've gotten some really good feedback from like all sorts of people like people I wouldn't expect. I feel like maybe this could, you know, this could grow, which is really exciting. And I actually joined TikTok recently and my first TikTok got like 12,000 views. It was just a clip from Mercury Rising of me in the observation lounge of the Enterprise during a meeting with, you know, my favorite characters. Um, and, I've, and I'm like, man, I could just make more of that. Like I could just start yeah. green screening myself into Star Trek and post it on YouTube and TikTok. And that shit is fun as hell. And like, I get a lot of interaction and people laughing and enjoying my favorite show with me and that feels so good and that's kind of what i wanted out of the podcast too cool and it's hard because i love this show so much i love everyone i'm talking to i love you know um i love having these discussions so much but uh but we still can you know we still can even if it's not content even if it's just us being friends because like we're friends like we we talk all the time off of the podcast and we hung out in animal crossing last night so i I know i'm gonna see you i know i'm gonna see you just as much um as i do now and that's that's great but but even so like 
when we go a long time without podcasting, I get really sad because it's so fun. No, and we have this like yeah. one-on-one energy where we, we always go deep and it's always so, you know, I always feel so good after. So this I'm absolutely going to try to keep doing without the podcast because it's great. Well, I'm here for that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, what do you rate hated in the nation? Yes. I think I give this one also a 9.5 be- yeah. for the same exact reason, because the first half what was a little draggy just a hair draggy but i think that it actually suited this episode because it it fitted fitted it fit the style of like the hitchcockian horror yeah because hitchcock movies are slow burns you can't just jump right into it you have to ease people into it you have to kind of Mm -hmm. paint the world set that up and then um and then get into the meat and potatoes of the story i feel like if they had cut out again like three minutes out of the first 15 minutes yeah or trimmed trimmed just a little bit of what was happening out um find found a way to grab my attention a little sooner it would have been a 10 out of 10 for me um because i i do know that they can do that because they did it with 15 million merits where like from Um. from the first moment to the last moment of the episode i was engaged san junipero as well um whereas this one it took me a minute to get engaged and it's not even that that's bad it's just that my 10 out of 10 has me engaged all the time. Not to say that it's better or worse. That's just my 10 out of 10. And this Mm -hmm. was as close to being a 10 as it could be without having that one element because it was just brilliantly told. I still like men against fire a hair more than hated in the nation. Um, just from an, just from like a personal taste point of view where I feel like the, Mm -hmm. like the, the social elements that they're dealing with are both so important, but I'm more afraid of the military being used against the public. Yeah. Um, because that's something I think is, is in a, happening all over the world. Not, mm-hmm. not just talking about America, but that happens in other countries as well. And, and it's very scary and something that needs to be thought about, but social media stuff talked about in hated the nation also super important to be talked about. Um, so I feel like they're both 9.5s, even though I would put men against fire just slightly above it. Yeah. Give hated the nation a nine. Yeah. Same too. Just kind of like. To me, I, I think the pacing is fine. It's just, again, same thing that I feel about the Men Against Fire, which is just like that technology aspect of it. Just shows you that technology is trash and like social media mixed with technology will be trash. Yeah. Yeah. And that both of those are really scary to me. Both of those seem like very present day dystopian. Absolutely. Yeah, we're living through Black Mirror right now. Yeah, we really are in so many yeah. ways. Um, and in that way, it's not the best time to watch it because it's like, did you, did you hear that the writer said that he's not yeah. releasing anymore because we're living, we're going through enough. I heard that. And he's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless he wanted to put out a whole season of San Junipero. San Junipero's. Yeah. Hell with yeah. happy endings, which he's so capable of. I, I also, I'm so which is excited. Insane. There's some really good episodes in season four that I think are interesting and have like, ah, yeah. endings. Like not happy endings, but just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that that went a different way than I thought it was going to. Like cool. that I I'm think excited. you might enjoy yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean if Charlie Brooker were to start just writing films that had happy endings, like he could run Hollywood because mm-hmm. he has a brilliant mind. He's got brilliant. so many good ideas. Well we'll see what's happening here. What's what's he let's just Google him really quickly and see what he's up to. Yeah. ABG, we Charlie couldn't Parker. we couldn't have the last episode without Alexandria Googling something. Okay. First of all, he's a silver fox. What's up, Zitty? He cute. <laughs> um, career. Let's see. Is there anything happening right now? 
No? Okay. What about I, this? Is I, there anything? I did hear that he is working on Black Mirror Season 6. But then, like, Netflix put those posters up that were mirrors that said Black Mirror Season 6. It's happening all around you. Um, it did say, like, there's a... Okay, so Wikipedia says, a 45-minute BBC2 special, Charlie Brooker's antiviral wipe, aired on May 14th, 2020, and it oh. focused on life during the COVID-19 pandemic in the United Kingdom. It was produced during the UK lockdown, which had caused a series starring wipe character Philomena Kunk to be postponed. Is it reality or fictional? Most of the crew, uh-huh, uh-huh. That sounds interesting, though. It looks like it was a... Okay, Charlie Brooker's Weekly Wipe was first broadcast on BBC Two January 31st, 2013. It is an amalgam of screen wipe and news wipe with sections focusing on recent news, television shows, and films. So then what is news wipe? Hold on. I gotta go back. <laughs> screen wipe... He's got like a bunch of different wipe projects. Uh huh. Yes. Uh. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what is it? So is he like writing shit in quarantine and having other actors produce it, or is it like his vlogs or like what is it? I don't know. Uh, well, we so can look like, into it after we record yeah, and figure this we out. We can. Yeah. But I, I still don't know. But like, yeah. <laughs> we might just have to watch one and figure it out. But he's making shit. That's good. Like, hopefully. I want, I want Charlie Brooker to write a trilogy of sci-fi space opera movies. Like that's what I want is for him to write some like star Wars style space opera, but with like black mirror sensibility, um, and his brilliant mind behind it. That would be incredible. Okay. <laughs> All right, Alexander, do you have any final thoughts for the space nerds out there before we you say know, goodbye? Space nerds. If y'all make a resurgence in, in the next couple months, feel free and we'll come back and give y'all <laughs> what y'all looking for. Um, but it's been an honor and a pleasure, Jesse, to do this with you. It's been so yeah. fun. Um, I'm glad that you finally watched Black Mirror because this has been a long time coming since we first met. Yeah. And uh, you just have to keep watching them so that we can keep talking. So will, sorry for, sure. for the audience that will not be able to hear these amazing, great discussions going forward. Yeah. But, you know, happy for the times that we were able to do it. Yeah. And I have to say, I am still thrilled that you joined this show. I was, I couldn't believe it at first because you're like so great on the show. And I was like, she's not going to want to do a whole series. And then you did. And I was so thrilled. And, I feel bad to be the one to end it. <laughs> no, don't feel bad. Yeah. I just feel like, I mean, you know, we took that break for a minute. There was just a time that I couldn't right. mentally handle right. anything. And, right. and it's just the times that we are living. It's just not easy. Yeah. It's easier to do it when like life is okay. And then like, you can maybe sacrifice like this part of your, like if life were like back to what we were doing before but people weren't listening or people weren't engaging. You probably could be like, okay, people aren't engaging yet, but it's okay. But like now yeah. we're getting into some like brass tacks of like, shit's not fun out in the world. Right. And so we need to find things that will lift us up. will feed back into us. will pour back into us. Yeah. And if this ain't it, that ain't it. We got to yeah. put it on the back burner. We got to shut it down. Yeah, totally. Well, it's been a real pleasure. I, I am honored that you have been a part of this show. It's been so fun. I hate to let it go, but but this is it. So uh, this time. Bye, thank bitches. you, Alexandria, so Bye, much. Y'all come back later and, and learn yes. how, what a treasure this was and, and realize <laughs> your blessings and then we can come yeah. back and do this thing again. Yeah, but don't stop listening because we have more show coming. Doug is coming in next and talking about Lower Decks and then Jane will be in at the very end talking about the last episode of Firefly in this massive final episode of the Space Nerds podcast. Alexandria, yeah. it's been a Space pure joy. Stay thank you nerdy. so much. <laughs> 
right, Doug, welcome. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Doug, how do you feel about this being the last episode of Space Nerds? It seems really sad, but also if it makes things better for you, then it's good. Yeah, well, we're definitely still going to, I mean, at least try some more live streams on YouTube and I, at the very least, continue to have the same discussions off stream because, <laughs> you know, I am, I got to tell you all about how I'm feeling about Arrowverse because I'm loving it so much, but not right now because that's, I'm not done yet, but oh my God, year seven is so good. It's so good. I just started uh, the DC Universe ones too, Titans and Doom Patrol, so that's like a whole that's a whole separate thing. Oh wow, yeah. I do want to see those. Don't aren't those going to like HBO Max or something? I think so. Yeah, I wound up signing up for it cuz I was just starved for content, so. Yeah. How are they? I love it. I love It's it's weird. It's like Arrowverse, but like Arrowverse after dark. They <laughs> say curse words and I think on one of them they showed boobs. Whoa, boobs. Yeah, but it's also like at times like super violent where you're like oh oh okay oh god i mean yeah black lightning had some really violent shit so far and of course arrow does for sure it's nothing like these these are like you know like hbo type shows where there's Uh, there's all 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 bets are off like game of thrones level violence oh for sure i don't want that you know it's yeah but i mean you know like doom patrol is is flat out fucking bananas so it's kind of <laughs> worth it for the occasional shockingly violent scenes yeah um but we won't we won't talk about that now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i where are you at in your Arrowverse watch through right now um i've watched everything except for legends of tomorrow okay um i was say I, I did it differently this time i did it each series mostly straight through up until the crossover and then detangled, you know, did watch the crossover and then finished each series the rest of the way through. Yeah. And then saved uh, Legends of Tomorrow because I love it so much. So, oh man, Legends was awesome. I, so I yeah. finished Legends. I'm almost done with Black Lightning. I'm still doing the same viewing order from like yeah. fansided.com, I think. Is that where it was from? Yeah. Um, one of them got too confusing for me. And then when I was like, <laughs> Oh, they're looping in Batwoman, Batwoman yeah. too early. I'm like, then I don't trust your ordering system. Like we, yeah. we have a philosophical disagreement. <laughs> so yeah, I, just, I had to strike out on my own. I just skipped Batwoman because it's not available yet anywhere. Um, and it's wrong. This year, right? Eight, not yeah, year no, seven. totally. That did kind of rub me the wrong way. It's like, no, this anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I just want to say that, like every show, Year Seven of Arrowverse, every single show is killing it, and I'm it's amazed. Sh- Oh, it's good, so yeah. good every show yeah. legends of tomorrow was nuts like that yeah. fairy the fairy godmother was the best <laughs> it's so good <laughs> yeah like the way she was singing about eviscerating people with this like uh, operatic voice is amazing it's beautiful yeah and the ending the ending is also yeah i the ending yeah. wasn't my favorite but like I but the whole season as a whole was just incredible. Like the I ending was great, when, except for well, we don't have. We, <laughs> we're gonna get like into they, a hole. I like that they talked about not being a part of the crossover and that they should have been a part of the crossover. I loved that. It was like, yeah, no one will help us because we didn't participate in the yearly crossover. That was so good. But like every show is great this year. Supergirl is incredible. I can't even believe how good this season of Supergirl has been so far. I'm like halfway through Supergirl. I love. Year four of Supergirl is 
maybe one of the best years of all of Arrowverse. Yeah, I mean, they're just dealing with themes of prejudice and, you know, yeah. and, like, it's basically white nationalism, but it came yeah. out a couple of years ago. It's crazy. Yeah, like, it's, it's also wild how more appropriate it is for 2020. Yeah, uh, it's given nuts. Given that it was, it's very prescient, as they say. Yeah, it's crazy, because, like, I feel like a lot of these shows are talking about social issues that have then erupted into the the public, mm-hmm. like across the country, and are now being like protested in the streets. I mean, several of the things oh, yeah. that are, are talked about in the Arrowverse are now yeah. like happening in real life. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, <laughs> Speaking of more good content, yeah. So we have a brand new Star Trek show to talk about the the second animated show in the Star Trek universe after the mm-hmm. original animated series that was mediocre but right. fun to watch. Um, yeah. But yeah, Lower Decks is on CBS All Access. It's like an adult animated comedy. One of the creators worked on Rick and Morty. Um, mm-hmm. Not either of the guys you've heard of, but like the third guy that worked on Rick and the Morty. The third guy. Yeah. <laughs> not um, Dan Harmon. Yeah. Not the other guy you know. Yeah. The third guy you don't know. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, Doug, what do you think of this show? How, how are you feeling about it so far? I really liked it. I mean, it's, it's, it, what's re- my reaction to it is what I, the show is what I hoped it would be and more or less what I expected it to be. It didn't surprise me, but I went in with an optimistic view of it. Yeah. Based on what I had seen from, if like this was the first new Star Trek we had had since Enterprise or the movies, I'd have been like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. But given what we've already seen, I was like, that's fine. Oh, my um, God. You're so right. That would have been so disturbing if like we hadn't had any Star Trek since Nemesis. And this was the first thing that CBS made. It'd been like, what? What's going on? What's going on? I'd, I would be terrified. Like, oh, one of the dudes from Rick and Morty is going to do a Star Trek thing. I'd be yeah. freaked the fuck yeah. out. Former so, like, Survivor winner John Cochran is one of the head writers. What is this? <laughs> and like I've seen other like online discussions about it and there's a lot of people whose reaction is like oh i watched the trailer and i thought this was i'm not going to bother with this and then i was surprised that it was actually good and a lot of people are saying hey if you've heard that it's like rick and morty but in space or rick and morty star trek it's not even though the creator came from that it is in no way that same tone or style so it's actually really fascinating that there's this cachet to one degree that comes with like, hey, someone from Rick and Morty, a popular sci-fi adult cartoon brings. But then there's also this other level of people who are like, fuck Rick and Morty. I don't want to watch <laughs> Star Trek in that kind of hands. So it's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, this is such a bizarre piece of pop culture in so many ways. Like, Yeah, it's crazy. It's totally crazy that this exists. Yeah, and I, I I'm having a very mixed experience with it, but I'm really stoked about it, <laughs> which is weird. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the first episode, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, I hated that. I didn't like that right. at all. <laughs> and then this? I rewatched it with the subtitles on. I was like, oh my God, they made so many references to so many so things. Yeah. Like there's real deep love of Star Trek in this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that made me kind of approach it from a little bit of a different angle. The second time I watched the first episode, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but then I watched the second episode and that's all that's been released so far. And I was like, eh, this is fine. Um, yeah. like I don't, I don't hate it. Um, 
and it, at its best i feel like it's got so much potential and there's moments of it that i'm like holy shit i loved that like that yeah. was such a cool thing that i've always wanted to see on star trek but then like five seconds later something will happen it'll be like oh my god that's so dumb and annoying and i wish that hadn't <laughs> yeah. happened it's like right. a real mixed it's, bag <laughs> because it's a because it's a comedy because yeah. it's a cartoon an adult cartoon it has to follow or it feels right now that they've decided they have to follow this structure of it which is very fast paced rapid fire joke machine which right. i kind of hope i would love it if this show slows down more. yes that's, totally that's right now is my biggest complaint about it is i would even say like these episodes are are they're shorter right they're like in the 20 minutes range. i think they're like 25 yeah yeah, like if you added 10 minutes of not jokes to these, I would probably like them even more. I um, agree 100%. This reminds me so much of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say stretch it out. This is yeah, a yeah. rare thing where I'm saying the pacing is too far in the other direction. Yeah, I agree 100%. I was thinking about season one of the Orville, how they were trying so hard to be funny and not quite nailing that <laughs> and then also right. making really interesting science fiction and being like oh wow this show is kind of compelling but it's not that funny but then season two <laughs> they backed off the humor and leaned right. into the science fiction and the tone just locked into place and now yeah. it's way funnier because they don't make as many jokes and they just choose the right moments to make a joke and then it's fucking hilarious and incredible and on top yeah. of that they're telling like great sci-fi stories it feels like classic 90s star trek i'm just yeah. sto stoked about the orville and i really think some i hope that something similar will happen with lower decks where i feel like they're not quite nailing the tone of the humor for my tastes um yeah. and i hope that that will kind of adjust more towards my taste in the future just because i'm you know greedy and i want to yeah. i want to think this show's to funny show. <laughs> yeah totally but like yeah, i just wanted to feel less frantic where it's just like yeah ah, totally yeah just chill out smoke a joy relax yeah i agree 100 percent. i feel like tell fewer jokes and maybe more of them will land and slow it the fuck down because it's hard to understand what the characters are saying like mariner right. in particular is talking so fast that right. i missed a lot of the first episode like when i rewatched it i put subtitles on it's like oh my god i missed a lot like yeah. I, I shouldn't be missing that much on a show i feel like <laughs> they're just talking way too fast and it's kind of killing the momentum of the story as well as a lot of the humor yeah and i totally get that that is that is that format that's what yeah adult cartoons that's the format they follow and that's of anything that's the that it inherits from the the a rick and morty type show is basically that the, the pacing you know and the, and the continual firing of jokes yeah yeah but i think it's got so much promise though like like mariner yelling at the end of the first episode like you're my chadich bitch or something like yeah. that like yeah that was amazing like i get that joke you know <laughs> like i think that is so funny and i but the problem is that i feel like a lot of the jokes are contingent on star trek knowledge and they need to be funny without that i think um um i don't think so see i would don't disagree think so? with you there yeah i think that the, and this is what i like about the show is that it seems to be doing a good balance hmm. you can still understand what's happening there you know even if you don't understand the particular reference it's sure. not there's nothing inherent of what is being right. said that is required for the joke to work even the ferengi thing in episode two yeah which is which is a real interesting take on it it's it's obvious when you're watching it even if you don't i feel like even if you don't understand what's happening with the ferengi 
that there's a joke at the end of it when like, oh, well, yes, I hope this all went very well, but yeah, you yeah. know, there's, ju- there's, a, there's a difference in the personality there. You don't have to be deeply familiar with Ferengi culture as presented in Star Trek to have it be like, ah, I see why this is a joke. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that I don't think they should do that stuff. I'm just feeling like, and I really like that stuff, but I, I'm feeling like a lot of the jokes that aren't like funny because they're Star Trek are like, I, there's not much else about the show that made me laugh. It was only the moments that were like super Star Trekky, where I'm like, Oh, they said Chad each. And that made me laugh. You know, like that's, oh, that's when, interesting. that's when I'm <laughs> laughing at the show, but like most of the rest of the humor is not hitting it for me where I get a little, you know, frustrated. <laughs> Right, but, so we may be enjoying the show for different reasons. Like I think, I think so. The show we is, always do. <laughs> I think the show is, is just it's funny, hmm. and the Star Trek references are like it's a it's bonus, you know. Sure, it makes me think of that the the trouble with Edward episode where I yeah. was very excited to see comedy done well in Star Trek, where I don't think you would have to understand the Star Trek references to see that that's funny, that the, the characters themselves and the situations they're in uh, are, are enough to establish the context to to make the jokes work for my money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like the two moments that really stuck out as being really funny to me in the first episode were the, the chad each bitch thing. And then uh, when Mariner loads up her Olympic, training program in the holodeck and it's just a bunch of naked dudes doing like pull-ups and push-ups and shit because like that's the type of thing that we've always kind of wanted to see from star trek is like what is a what would like a normal everyday person do with the holodeck i think that's like great i love that but like the second episode in particular i didn't really find that funny and felt like the plot was like not that enjoyable but i really liked like all of the the way that they animated all these different Star Trek worlds, I was like, wow, like that's so cool. And they they're digging so deep in Star Trek lore to bring you all these different aliens in the background and like animating all these different planets and stuff. And like on that level, I'm like, wow, this is cool. And like, I'm glad that this exists and they're making this. Um, but I want to like it on. I want to be into the story as well, and I want to be like, uh, I want to be in in the way that Star Trek normally brings me in, which is that. There's some sort of like compelling human narrative going on as as far as like, I know this is a lot to ask for a cartoon, but Rick and Morty does this so well. So I don't think it's that much to ask Um, where there's something going on with like the human or not even human, but alien, but like some sort of story happening where I'm invested in what's happening in the story. And maybe like they'll get there by the end of the season. But for me so far, I have not felt that way in the first couple of episodes, but I like the characters and I like the animation. I like the ships. Um, and I'm really excited about it overall. Like I'm really looking forward to the next episode, but yeah. like my expectations for how much I'm going to like it are like medium. And I feel Ooh. like it's kind of hitting, it's like hitting me on the upper medium, but like not into the good territory, if that makes sense, but oh, I'm still, yeah. but no. I'm still enjoying for, it. For me, it's a solid, a borderline a plus. It's wow. It's, cool. It's like a, it's a perfect star Trek adult cartoon that I, I, I couldn't think of what I would want from what I've seen so far for it to do differently. Yeah. There's things that I hope that it does during its run, but that's more of just like stuff that I would hope that it gets to during its existence. Not like, Oh, before you continue, here's things that I wish that you would change. Right. And yeah, for me, once again, the only thing is pacing. And I do honestly feel like that's something I, there's not a lot of shows I can think of where, they they 
don't wind up kind of settling in after a couple of episodes. That seems to be a pretty common occurrence with a show is that they do something out of the gate and then they kind of adjust a little bit and then they find their footing and then yeah. they're off to the races. Totally. And I actually, ex- I do really feel like that probably will happen with this show. Like I have a good feeling about this show, you know, like I yeah. really, I'm really excited about where they could go and I just hope that they take it there. There's, and there's only one thing that I don't like, like that I really just don't like to the point where I wish they would change it. It's the only thing, but I'm going to say it because why not? Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of the humor is coming from this place of people not caring about life or not caring about each other's lives. Like when you have that, you know, date going on in the 10 forward area and then this firefight breaks out and they keep on having their cute date. Like I get they're doing like a bit with that, but they don't seem to care that like their fellow officers are, have been overtaken by this deadly virus and, and are chewing each other's necks off. And I get that like there is, they found humor in that, but for me it doesn't land because in a Star Trek world, that doesn't seem like the right message to put out there for Star Trek, I guess. That's yeah. No, I, I thought about this watching the show. I was like, Oh, this is really interesting because some of the characters are presented as being like, you know, goof offs. But a lot of the characters are presented as being like just, you know, regular Starfleet people. And the the vessel isn't like, oh, this is the, the you know, the, the jerk off ship of, of, of idiots in Starfleet. You know, this is like a regular legitimate Starfleet right. ship. But, the, right. but there's but there's humor that's centered around kind of running against the expectations of what people should do in Starfleet. Like one one example for me is and it's just in the opening credits so that you don't see the context of the story for it <laughs> but when their ship shows up in the middle of a romulan borg fight yeah and they get shot at and they just nope the fuck out They're right like, nope, see you later i love that I, I think that's hilarious yeah i love that also and it's sort of like pre- and it's presenting to us the audience like this is not the way you expect to see this happen right in a star a star trek thing but that is kind of captures the essence of this like some of the humor is centered around uh, uh, breaking the audience's expectations of of Starfleet and things like that. Like those two on the date is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that, and like that, you, that it, they clearly can see what's happening and they're choosing to ignore it. Right. And the reality of that situation in a Star Trek universe is like, well, that's kind of weird and shocking in its own way. Yeah, totally. But, but I mean, that's. But it's funny. <laughs> that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. See, that's not my that's not my style of humor. Like, I don't find that stuff funny. And maybe that's right. the, the problem I'm having with the humor in the show is that right. there's a lot of stuff that's played for laughs that goes against the Star Trek ideals. Right. And I there's ways that that could be funny. Like, I feel like if they set that up. And maybe they will do this in the future, but like if they set that up within canon somehow, I would find it more fun or funny. I guess. Oh, you know what? I take that. I'm not going to find that style of humor funny because it's just not my style. But, yeah. but, but I. But the whole idea of kind of like going against the Starfleet tropes, like because we know that Picard, the show, is like a much darker time in Starfleet, and this is like a transition between the Next Generation era and the Picard era. Era. Like, right. what if there was something happening in Starfleet that was a reaction against how great, like, Captain Picard <laughs> and the Next Generation crew are, where they're like, man, like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, I want to, 
I just want to have fun, you know? Like, I don't want to be, like, stuck to this standard. This is ridiculous. And then Starfleet kind of changes over the years and gets a little bit more, like like bizarre and out there and more characters like Mariner. And then this show happens like that could work for me if they kind of plant it in, in Canon. It's not like I don't want Star Trek Canon to ever change over time. I just want it to be like aware of itself as it changes and still try to have this forward thinking message of trying to create a positive humanity in the future by like presenting one now. Cause I feel like that's what Star Trek has always been and kind of in my mind needs to be. And I, I, I keep feeling in like the new shows that they're getting away from that and then coming back to that and then getting away from it and then coming back to it. And it's like such a tug of war where I feel like I know that they know that about Star Trek now because they did season two of discovery and captain Pike's arc. It was very obvious that they understood what Star Trek was all about and embodied it in this character. And it was amazing. I was incredible. I loved it so much. And even though Picard was like such a mixed bag, I still feel like Picard fighting to save the the lives of Romulans, his lifelong enemies, centering a show around that is is the right message, you know? Right. Um, but then they had an opportunity to go deeper with that story and didn't take it, you know, to comment on the way, um, you know, America is dealing with immigration. I felt like that's where they were going with this Romulan story. And... And they didn't really go there, and it got really confusing by the end, but at least they brought the ideas up, you know? Yeah. And I want that. I want that in Lower Decks. If I get that, I'm going to be so stoked. And I'm already, like, on board with the show, and I'm already enjoying the show, but that is missing to me. Yeah, I'd be surprised if you do wind up getting that. Because hmm. it, ha- it, it seems to me that what they're doing is that they're lovingly making fun of... Not making fun of Star Trek, but having fun in Star Trek, you know, yeah. Again, and breaking our expectations of what people in the Star Trek universe are supposed to do. And it's not even so, and, and some of it is even like, we're like the away mission where, you know, Oh, she snuck off and she's doing this other thing. And then, you know, what's his name is suspicious of her because he's been tasked with keeping an eye on her. And then, Oh no, there's a monster who's attacking. And then they're kind of, those things both wind up being not what they're perceived to be, you know, ultimately. Yeah. So there is some stuff where it's kind of like breaking the expectations of just tropes, just playing with tropes of science fiction. But then some of them are not specifically, some of them are more specifically the tropes of Star Trek, mm-hmm. not the tropes of, of science fiction. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. And so I think that that's, I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more of the like, Star Trek specific things in addition to genre. So like one thing that was really, I thought, see, I loved in the B story in, in episode two, where Mm. it's the guy, Rutherford, like switching jobs, Rutherford, right. Rutherford goes through basically every department on the ship. And ostensibly he's doing this to save a date so that he can continue to go on a date with the, with the other character. Yeah. Um, and then, but through each department that he goes to, he does really well. So basically, right. he's like a superstar. He could excel. He's the best of the best for Starfleet. He could excel, excel in any department. No, 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 no. He fails in every department except for security. Right. That's and then the they really want him. They really want him at security. But the, he's also good at engineering. He's good at security. Right. And, when and he, he was a good doctor le- until he had no bedside manner. <laughs> He'd be good at like the mechanical aspect of being a doctor. Yeah. Uh, but that when he's leaving the, the engineering and security, they set you up to have like the person be 
disappointed right. and, and, and upset that they're losing him. But then it's always like, you follow your dream, man. Like, right. you go get, you do the best that you can. And I really like that because that's playing with the expectations of just kind of hierarchies. Right. But it's, to me, it's emphasizing an aspect that you would expect in a Star Trek world. I totally agree. That really stuck out to me. Like, that's what I kind of want is humor that leans into that, you know, that leans into the idea of like, it can still be funny to be, you know, a utopian future and the utopian future can still exist. You know, we don't have to get rid of it to be interesting. Um, Yeah. There are moments of that that I'm really excited about. Um, But I also feel we're going to see a mix. Yeah. Yes. And that storyline I was like, I like that we're touring the ship. It's fun to give us an excuse to kind of learn the ship, but I'm not buying it that this guy is, you know, like trying to leave his career behind to, for this one date, like that human (laughs) element of that story, like didn't really make sense to me. So they haven't really explored. Obviously it's episode two and it's a cartoon. Yeah, totally. The, the takeaway that I'm getting from him is that that Vulcan implant sometimes causes him to do like things that are that are vulcan logic based you know what i mean like yeah no i hear you like his his personality breaks for a second and he does something more logical than is necessary or something like that like he right like they've done it explicitly as the like right right where you see him shake and there's electricity sparking and then he speaks in like monotone vulcan logic voice yeah but I think in my own mind, I'm just imagining like, oh no, he's kind of someone who's oblivious. So in presented this, this thing here of like, well, what are you going to do? Like not go in the tubes. I mean, you'd, you'd have to quit your job. If you're going to do that. And them going, right. I have to quit my job. Like yeah. it's the comedy there is that it's taking, it's taking logic to a, to a, distant extreme yeah I, you know it's like i see what they're doing and what they're going for and i don't disagree with the instinct it's just something in the execution is not doing it for me as far as like actually laughing at jokes so oh yeah for so sure i'm like not laughing during the show but but it is like i can tell it's supposed to be funny and for me that's just like a tonal <laughs> a tonal issue that's not working for me but yeah. like but i like it besides that you know but it's weird it's like a weird watching experience for me because yeah. because i'm like it's like watch. It's like going to an open mic for someone right. who hasn't been uh, doing stand up for that long, and like having to laugh because you're their friend and you want to support them. <laughs> right, right. Which I know and you've done, Doug. Not, I know, I know you've been good. there. I've, I've been on both ends of that, and it yeah. is, neither one is good. <laughs> yeah, like that's how I feel about the humor on this show. But I really right. think that it's like gonna. Get, I really believe it's gonna get better because all yeah. the people creating the show have never seen the show before. You know, like now that it's out. <laughs> right. Now that it's out and now that they get to watch the show and now they get to see how people are reacting to it, I think they're only yeah. going to get better at making it. And I'm actually really excited to see where it goes because, you know, because there's so much about it that I love so much. Like, I just love opening a Star Trek show on one of those star bases from Next Generation, you know, like that right. like sexy hourglass looking <laughs> starbase <laughs> like i love that shit i don't care if it's animated i like the way that the ships look and the warp nacelles and all of it's just like pure next generation which is my favorite show ever but then right. a little different because it's a few years after i think this happened this takes place in the timeline just a couple years after nemesis so that sounds right i saw a date somewhere yeah. when i was looking up something about the show yeah it so had, like it had a specific year of when it took place yeah 
yeah i so like overall it's like in a lot of ways it's it, it is kind of fulfilling this dream of mine to get more star trek past you know that era like past post dominion right. war star trek because right. you know voyager took place somewhere else so we don't really know what happened you know in the alpha quadrant in voyager <laughs> we, and like oh, deep we space know there's now a janeway well, yeah, the Janeway maneuver. That was great. Um, I mean, that could be a different Janeway. There, we have right. seen there was, a, in, there was in an the ensign. Show. There was an ensign Janeway in Next Generation. This woman in, in like a therapy session with Troy or something. <laughs> right, and then there's a dude that called in once that I thought was maybe an Admiral Janeway. Oh yeah, Janeway. maybe. Yeah, it's not the first Janeway, so who knows? Right. But it's definitely <laughs> Catherine Janeway. But it's fun. We know it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and like overall, like people playing in the star trek universe i think is is good i just want them to you know like that moment where the spider is like suckling on boimler and yes. <laughs> and it it gets like a little weird where he's like naked and then he's like crying after and right. it looks like it almost looks like a sexual assault and mariner <laughs> doesn't seem to care like moments right. like that where you know characters aren't caring about each other's well-being like really bother me like i really don't like that stuff and i don't right. i don't find that funny normally like i was the kid who cried when he went to see guarding tests because nicholas cage shot that dude's toe off like i cried in the theater uh, <laughs> as a kid um no, I can understand that's just that. like not my style and to see that in star trek for me is is really disturbing but it's like small moments inside of a show that i'm enjoying otherwise so right. i'm still like i'm confused but i'm i'm in you know <laughs> yeah and that is the thing is that because every joke has a victim like that's one of the things mm. about comedy is like there's there's someone who is the butt of the joke and choosing who is the target of the joke who is the butt of the joke and what is the reason for that and what is their status is really important and that's an interesting dance for a show like star trek that they haven't had to handle you know right and so i think that is going to be one of the ongoing issues that you'll probably see with the show is like oh mariner is like needling and hassling this guy boimler so he winds up being you know the butt of her jokes repeatedly mm -hmm. and like i mean even in the second episode she is kind of just like intentionally goading him and poking him and making fun of his worldview, his like worry about doing good in Starfleet. She's good, she's competent and skilled, and she's chosen to just be a fuck off and yeah. not, you know, not try so hard. But she's also kind of bothering this other person who is choosing to try hard. Yeah. So that that is something where you're like, oh, that is a borderline bullying behavior. <laughs> from from her you know yeah. but that also is one of the central conflicts and the driver of the of the humor of the show yeah i wish they'd lean more into the side where like she actually has a lot of experience and is a really good smart officer and is choosing not to be like she's kind of rebelling against how good she is um because she feels like she's not being valued for for her skills which are are very apparent but she's not someone who does well like following commands and i think that that's right. an interesting character especially because her mom is the captain and like there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool stuff there and I'm, i am excited about the character overall um like she has saved the day a couple of times like she's kind of like needling boimler and like being a jerk but then also is right about a lot of things and that's right that's fun like i like that you know um 
but yet her not caring i i want her to care about boimler i want them to be friends you know and i want her to right. care if her fellow shipmates are going to be accidentally killed or hurt or something and it doesn't feel like right. she does but that feels like a, sh- a show wide thing like it doesn't feel like anyone really cares about each other whether they live or die and that to well, me is like well let's let's adjust that and then keep moving forward <laughs> See, that's something where, for me, the, the, and they have definitely not said it, but the implication I'm getting, and it might be like me second-guessing what it is I think the writers are saying, which is that this is episodic Star Trek. At the end of every episode, the reset button is explicitly hit and everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. And these are characters who live in this universe where they've come to realize, like, something goes crazy, it stresses everyone out for a little bit yeah. and then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you on that. I that had thought had occurred to me too is like sometimes in next generation nobody reacts to to things like Right. They think Jordy's dead and no one seems to care. <laughs> and it's like and they very definitely don't ever talk about it again. Yeah, and it's very upsetting, but it's okay cuz Jordy's fine. Like taking He's that right. ta- they're taking that to the extreme um where like yes. sometimes when you're in the moment you have to just be cool to the point of not being emotional but they're taking it to the point where it seems like they're kind of laughing at the person who is in peril and that's a step too far in my opinion but without we'll addressing it explicitly right totally um but yeah but like i said i'm still like super excited to see the next episode and i do yeah, like all the characters i mean i like the the green girl what's her name to uh what's her name what's her name well, i haven't learned any names yet tendy the green girl i like tendy. her um, I do like Rutherford. I think there's interesting stuff they can do with him. That cat doctor is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Bajoran security chief. He's awesome. Yeah. Like seeing Bajorans in Starfleet is so cool because there's a couple of them and it's just kind of implying it's like, hey, after after the Dominion War, you know, Bajor is accepted into the Federation and now we see some Bajoran officers around the place. Like, this is great. You know, I really right. like that type of stuff. Like, you can tell that they really care about the canon um which is nice but at the same time the show doesn't feel like canon and maybe that's like the maybe that's what i'm getting at is i want it to feel like canon like i want right i want the ridiculousness of the show to be like huge because i love absurdism but i also want it to feel like grounded in canon because then it's going to be right. funnier to me and because yeah, it doesn't it, feel like it's grounded in canon it it's not quite hitting for me yeah cuz it and it, it can't i mean i will to my end of days argue canon with people about star trek and i will definitely always argue that this show is canon yeah really i mean it can't like this this these two episodes can't exist side by side in a universe with the rest of star trek doug if you've taught me anything it's that this is canon they do exist (laughs) and you just have to accept it man (laughs) (laughs) oh that uh, that is my public position especially when especially when i'm arguing with people online (laughs) but yeah it goes to what you're saying is the behavior of these people yeah you know if this was a live action show this would just look so strange you know, and if these people ever talk to the people in the other shows, you just, it's just like, right. These, these behaviors would not be acceptable. It just, it defies, uh, reality and expectation. Well, this is the first time that we're on the opposite side of this because I, even though like the tone of the show doesn't feel like canon to me, I still feel like 
the events that happen have to be canon because oh, yeah. they're happening on the show. So like if Picard were to reference something that happened on lower decks, that would have to be real, you know, like, <laughs> like that's just, you know, and I can kind of accept it, especially if I think about it. And from the point of view of like, um, the Picard Starfleet has lost its way and this is the transition right. to losing its way. <laughs> then I can kind of accept it. Discipline's broken down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if they go that way with the future of the show, I'll be stoked about it. But like, yeah. but yeah, but the day to day, like the way people talk to each other doesn't feel like Canon. And I wish that that would come a little closer to Star Trek as we know it, because I yeah. really feel like the whole show would click into place a little bit better. I feel like there's a huge disconnect between the humor and the Star Trekness of it. And I feel like those need to marry a little bit. It's right. like really jarring moments of like, Oh, this is really funny because it's so specifically Star Trek. Um, or it's like, this is funny because it goes against Star Trek. I'm like, well that right. I can't, I can't hold both in my head at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, that's what I love. That's, that's, that's what I'm really digging about the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked about it. I'm excited to see where it goes. And Doug, we did it. We with that, we've reached the end of our final discussion about Star Trek on the Space Nerds podcast. Bum, that was bum, not bum. that voice break was not me crying. I swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I said before, like I I definitely want to do more of this type of thing with you. Hopefully, live on YouTube. I've been um, like, focusing on my sci-fi content on YouTube, so it won't be weird if we just do a random stream about whatever we want, you know. Right, and I definitely right, want right. to do um, sci-fi on trial. On, live on youtube i'm still i've been actively working behind the scenes on making that happen and and you're doug i absolutely want you to be involved when that comes about yeah yeah that's fun doug do you have any final thoughts for the space nerds out there after i mean you've been on this show since almost the very beginning you you came in for the first time with ryan and like within the first 20 episodes i want to say mm. but uh yeah i mean we weren't like regulars until babylon 5 but it's been years doug do you have any final yeah, thoughts? Long journey. <laughs> yeah. Mm, it's been fun. I like it. Sci-fi stuff is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Space is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug, thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure, Doug. I've loved every conversation we've had. Some of the most like howlingly funny podcast <laughs> moments have been with you especially Aww. especially wig gate like <laughs> every once in a while every once in a while i see that footage because i've used it that clip of wig gate for a couple of things and it makes me was laugh my so position much that was my position pro dress anti-wig yes okay good because that makes sense i was <laughs> no! just thinking to myself it's like i was just thinking Shit, which, 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 what, where did i come down on that no put him in the wig dude put him in the wig there's too many weave holes it's gonna just he's gonna no but he's through. like he's not that liquid he's like a, a little mass Why like you can hold if you can hold him in a dress you can hold him in a wig you may <laughs> what happens if you put him on a grate he's gonna fall through the grate a grate is too obviously too thick he will fall through it but he'll fall through slowly a wig is a grate you wear on your head i imagine that uh, <laughs> Odo's like Odo's like like ground meat consistency. Like you can hold him and you can like, you can like tamp him tamp him into a patty, you know, and he'll hold no, his shape. He's, he's molasses. No. Well, okay, he's slightly thicker than molasses, and that would hold in a wig. We gotta get a hold of a wig and some molasses. <laughs> okay. Well, I we will for sure. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Doug, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, to finish the show today, we've got Jane and I finishing our discussion of Firefly, the final episode of Firefly. So we're going to kick it over to that. Um, and that's it, Doug. Thank you so much. Yay! Stay spacey, nerds! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jane, this is it. The final episode of Firefly. We made it. <laughs> Oh, big 14. Yeah, I it, I can't even believe it. I I uh I, at one point we actually weren't sure we were ever going to finish this because this project bridged we several years ago. Yeah. The, talking about Firefly bridged the two versions of this podcast. And now <laughs> and now will be the last thing we do. Here we go. <laughs> oh, wrapping it up with good old Firefly. Yes. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. Objects in Space is the 14th episode and series finale of the science fiction television series Firefly. Serenity encounters Jubal Early, a ruthless professional bounty hunter who will stop at nothing to retrieve River. But River, feeling unwelcome on the ship, takes a novel approach to escaping from the long arm of the Alliance. Um, and then this is some interesting stuff. Um, some interesting quick facts here. The inspiration for the episode came from Tim Minear, who gave Whedon the idea of merely mentioning Boba Fett, or by merely mentioning Boba Fett. Whedon expanded upon the suggestion and extrapolated it into the villain of this episode, the preternaturally cool, nearly psychotic bounty hunter Jubal Early. Whedon has said that if he were forced to pick one piece of work to represent his entire body of work, he would pick this episode. Crazy, right? Yes. So I got to interject. Well, you, you stopped. I was going to interject because uh, <laughs> Joss Whedon has said this several times. Tim Minear was the inspiration um, for the like the structure of this episode with the bounty hunter, but he didn't say Boba Fett. Oh, he said Baba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> and Joss Whedon and some of the rest of the crew mocked him relentlessly to the point where they started calling Tim Minear Bobby Fed. <laughs> <laughs> because he mispronounced Boba Fett. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I like to I like to throw out every once in a while uh Bobby Fed is is just like uh, a callback. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so the bounty hunter in this episode, Jubal Early, is a fascinating character and yes. brilliantly performed. Yes, Richard Brooks, the guest uh, star for this, does a great job uh, to to steal another word from the show, imbuing this character with just so much nuance yes. and and character that you don't always see in a good uh, guest star. Like they got really, really lucky uh, with some of their people like um, uh, Christina Hendricks uh, doing uh, multiple cameos as Saffron. Yeah. No Bridge. Absolutely. Um, and, and Richard Brooks just, just knocked it out of the park with this one with being creepy um, yet insightful. Um, but just like, he was a real presence, real presence in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my only complaint about his character is that he keeps threatening to rape Kaylee. And I'm like, can we just leave that out? Like, do we need that? Um, yeah. And it's interesting. That because, was <laughs> sorry, go ahead. A very, oh, no, I was going to say that that was a very um, deliberately uncomfortable scene. Absolutely. Uh, it, Joss Whedon talks about like almost regretting 
uh, putting it in there, but mm. he had to to show that this was a very dark person, that this was not an okay like decisions or actions that he was choosing to take. Yeah, um, and yeah. You're, not, you're not supposed to think that he's like, oh, just a misunderstood good guy, and he could yeah. be like an anti-hero. It's like, no, he's a bad man. Right. <laughs> bad man. <laughs> And you know what I love the most about Jubal Early is that he is the quintessential representation of this idea in the Firefly universe that being out in space by yourself, like humanity stretching out across the across the galaxy, yeah. across the verse, it fucks mm-hmm. with your mind, you know, like it, it changes your perception of the universe to live alone yeah. in space. And this is yeah. one of the best examples where here's this guy who's just like brilliant. He's obviously extremely intelligent questions the world around him constantly is like in the midst of an existential crisis um, and is having some uh, a little bit of like a mental breakdown that kind of reflects River's mental breakdown in a way um, or at least mirrors it in some way but then is also still like completely functional (laughs) and like highly dangerous and you Mm -hmm. know this like scary dude so uh, really fascinating. Yep. He's like if Frasier were a horrifying bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To quote uh, Sherlock, he's a he's a highly functioning sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Totally. It's really, really great characterization and brilliantly mm-hmm. performed. Okay, so yeah. let's let's dive into this episode. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Jubal Early was an actual. We've talked about this before. How. Um, Firefly and the, the war with the Alliance kind of mirrors the civil war of, yeah. in the United States. Right. Right. Uh, how the independence, the Broncos were like the losing side. Um, it's like Jubal a reverse Early civil war. <laughs> it's like a reverse civil war. Yeah. Um, Jubal Early was an actual Confederate general. Really? He was a real historical figure. Whoa. And fun fact, Nathan Fillion is one of his descendants. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that okay. is a mindfuck. Great, 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 great nephew or something. I don't know. It's, it's a distant, distant relation. But, whoa. Uh, that, that has been said. Um, so not to glorify any of that. We've, we've talked about it before. You know, this is not a glorification of the South or the Confederacy or anything like that. You know, pull those statues down. But uh, there is a real life historical connection that kind of snuck into the episode yeah did the, did the writers know that before naming him or was that a coincidence oh, i think they knew i'm pretty, I'm okay. pretty sure they knew. they knew that he yeah. was related yeah okay uh, yeah. just being just being wrote it you know yeah. yeah okay yeah that's so interesting Okay, well, let's dive into this episode because the opening scene in this episode is fantastic and so interesting to see the world from River's perspective um, Mm -hmm. where she's kind of walking through the ship and hearing people's thoughts and then having some delusions that there's like a branch and all these leaves and it ends up that she's holding a gun and the the crew freaks out. It's like, she's dangerous. We got to do something about it. But you learn so much about all of the characters and this is why i love this show so much is that they take every moment possible to develop character so if you're going to have a chance to hear the inner thoughts of your characters they they take that moment to develop everyone and it's great it's so cool no space it's all driving the art it's all driving the story um okay uh one more thing i'm going to throw in kind of out of order this was the first episode of firefly i ever saw i did not watch them as they came out. Wow. I don't know why. 
Um, I was watching Buffy. I was watching Angel, like religiously following those. And I knew that Joss Whedon had a third show coming out, but it was on a different network. And I was, it was like my senior year of high school. Uh, and for whatever reason, I just, I didn't watch them as they came out. Yeah. Except for this episode. I watched Objects in Space on Fox as it came out. And I remember thinking, this is some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's really weird. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. There's a girl that's a spaceship. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I liked it. But I felt yeah. like it, it was very clearly like coming in at the end. And so I was like, I need to put this down and come back later when I can watch it in order, which is what I did. Yeah. So, um, I remember liking it and being like, uh-huh uh-huh okay i'll get back to that <laughs> yeah but uh yeah first one i ever saw yeah so. this would be a horrible first episode of firefly <laughs> to see it was, it was uh it was jarring but i like that i mean i liked the weird i liked the sci-fi it was zany it was cool but i just i felt like i was missing so much context that there was no way that i was understanding what was going on yeah. which was true this there was a lot of subtext going on in every single scene, like what you're talking about with your inner monologue. And there's these dynamics between characters with tension. And I'm like, I have no idea why there's tension. What's going on? What's the history? Yeah. Um, it was, it was a bad one to start with. For <laughs> Don't sure. start with this episode. If, you're, yeah. if you've gone through this whole podcast <laughs> and you're listening to this one first, you did it out of order. Yeah. Maybe you're <laughs> one of those people that likes to read the last page of a book first. And you're like, what's this yeah. old podcast? that's not being produced anymore. Right. Let's check out the last episode first. <laughs> that's wrong. Don't start with the end. You're walking up the downslide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. If you'll indulge me, I really want to talk about the, the uh, inner workings of all the minds of the crew that we learn about in the beginning. Um, yes. Okay. So let's, let's try to go through them all. So we see Simon and Kaylee and Simon has mm -hmm. this moment where he thinks to himself, I'd still be at the hospital working. Um, and yeah. as we talk about this, I will admit that the first time I saw this episode, I thought that this was all imaginary shit that river was experiencing mm -hmm. that she was just yeah. like kind of losing it on this day, like having a bad day with her new medication oh, and just yeah. having like paranoid delusions. But when I watched it this time, I'm like, no, this whole episode is about how she's a mind reader. She's reading their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, this is the big reveal for River because before we had just seen her kookiness, uh, but we'd never seen it from her point of view. Right. So, so Simon does really feel a little bit of resentment towards River that she has taken him away from his life at the hospital. And obviously, yeah. he stands behind that choice and he would die for his sister, obviously. Right. And obviously, he would never say it out loud. Right. But his it's a inner thought. monologue to you know say something that would be hurtful if he said it with his mouth right and this is interesting because we all have these thoughts that would be hurtful if spoken out loud not even things that we believe but just thoughts that run through our head all the time yeah. and it's really important to learn to filter <laughs> exactly we make the deliberate choice not to say those things with our mouths and that's that's what makes a person you know right. what you decide to do and yes. act out and say as opposed to what pops up and you say no you like slam down those thoughts and right. you, and you keep them inside um that's that's what makes a person that's absolutely absolutely yeah and that's <laughs> that's so true and i think it's something a lot of people don't think about because i think a lot of people feel guilty for the thoughts that are happening in their heads 
but you shouldn't mm-hmm. because it's the it's your actions you know like thoughts are a string of consciousness you don't necessarily even have control over your thoughts but you can exactly. steer your thoughts you can like shut down pathways of thought and steer them somewhere else and you can absolutely control your fucking mouth so you can control what exactly. comes out of your mouth you know and those exactly. choices are what make up your personality and they're what make you you um mm-hmm. and it is it's so interesting to have characters for who can hear thoughts because it takes down this fundamental layer of social interaction that is so important, you know, mm-hmm. and especially in this context where River is hearing thoughts that people would rather keep private. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. I Okay, so then we go over to see Jane and Shepard Book hanging out, um, which is so fun. Such a, a wholesome bromance, I love these it. two characters. I love it. <laughs> This, this priest and this mercenary just like hang out in their free time together. You always find them working out yeah. or in the kitchen or like playing cards or whatever. They just, they enjoy each other's company and, yeah. it's, and it's great. And I didn't even ever pick that up before this watch through. I'm like, wow, they really are like each other's best friend on the ship. I never picked that yeah. up before, but I love that. I think it's so great. I've always note like seen it, but not really internalized it. Um, yeah. But there's such a revealing moment here where you hear some of, Shepard Book's thoughts and they're very angry and I wasn't even sure like what he was thinking about or talking about but you get a you get a glimpse of this like um this deep anger that lives in him that he suppresses and you know part of why he became a shepherd was to walk a different path and he's made a narrow path for himself to walk I think in large part to control a lot of his urges and instincts because you know if you read the comic books you'll find out more about his past and where he's coming from, but he has a very violent past. Um, he does have a very violent past. And yeah, his, his choices are like the extreme version of what we just talked about with Simon, like choosing not to say hurtful things or do hurtful things. He's changed his entire life from what he was before. We know that he has a past of violence, but he chooses one of, of faith and healing and, and, community outreach kind of like in 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 helping people as he goes along and and he's made that extreme choice to be good yeah and i love that i think that that's a such again such great characterization all the characters are Mm -hmm. so rich on this on this show every single one um so then river walks up to the cockpit and she sees wash and zoe and they're uh making out and getting busy and you hear this like Mm -hmm wave like you hear like ocean waves and you can tell that river is getting a little swept up in this passion that they are experiencing and she can feel the love of these two people yeah yeah and it's so cool it's like i mean i love wash and zoe's relationship but it's really cool to to get this visual and auditory experience as the viewer of their passion as experienced Mm -hmm. through river i think that's a really cool choice yeah Yeah. Um, yeah Just had to fight Fox like the whole way before the pilot was even shot. He wanted them to be a married couple, like yeah. a stable, married, in a loving relationship couple. And the the network kept going, be like, no, no, no. What if they're like dating and then they get together and then there's more sexual tension between her and the captain and then it's interesting. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're married or there's no show. Yeah, <laughs> like, I love that. These two characters are what they are, uh, but they very rarely got to show that. I mean, every once in a while, you would see them, like, sharing a bunk or, um, you know, like, 
having a little husband and wife spat over something stupid. Uh, but you very rarely get to see them just in, you know, enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Um, physically. Without, yeah. Without any other really like enabling the plot or anything. It's, yeah. it's nice that they snuck that in. Yeah. I love it. It's such a great little character moment. And then we see mm-hmm. um, Mal and Inara and they're of course talking about how Inara is going to leave the ship. Mal is feeling like, it's like something along the lines of like, it's all been pointless or something like that. So he's just feeling this loss over her leaving. And I think that the implication is that he's built up all these feelings for her that now are going to go unrequited. And he's angry about that. And then, yeah. and then she's thinking like, I'm a grown, I'm, I'm a grown up. Just tell me, which I think is implying, I know you're in love with me. Just fucking tell me, you know? Um, so, um, because this episode was aired out of order, well, like all of them were aired out of order, but um, they didn't do Heart of Gold, which set up the scene between Inara and Mal, where she says, "I'm leaving the ship." Right. They and filmed that last. This scene was to, yeah. This this was supposed to be a scene of like um, going off of what had happened previously, and right. she hasn't told the rest of the crew yet that she's leaving. But Mal knows, and they're right. kind of having a little a little spat about it. Um, right. So it's like it makes it, it makes sense in in when you watch it in order, but it was filmed out of order. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Oh no, it's just um, so. There's a deleted scene um, in the DVDs that shows basically the exact same scene, but uh, it's worded a little bit differently Ooh. between the two of them, where she's talking about um, leaving a little bit more explicitly instead of them just like dancing around the subject. Um, mm. That was more. Uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but it was just, it was more obviously them fighting about her leaving. Yeah. Um, even though it's only like a, it's like a 30 second clip. But. Yeah. I love this version of it. I think I'm glad that they yeah. did this version. Instead. I, I do the subtle, because that's their relationship, Malin and Nara. They never just talk openly about what they're feeling. That's the whole point. They're dancing around each other the whole time, even as they're like about to break up right. <laughs> with air quotes. <laughs> They yeah. never really got together. They're still kind of breaking up here. Yeah. And again, I would I would refer the listeners to the Firefly comics because you do get more of that relationship in the comics, uh, even much more than you even get in the movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I love it all. It's just all so well-written and so good. Um, and then River has her, oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, um, back to the, to the book and Jane thing, they kind of skip over Jane having any sort of depth right oh we yeah just, we forgot jane yeah we like, we like breeze past him because she's seen deeper inner levels of every other character except for him because he's just like well he's still <laughs> feeling guilt over trying to turn river and simon in and get the reward like his his inner thought was something about yeah. about that guilt for, for what had money, happened money was too good. Yeah. yeah um but, which, which is interesting no, like, i don't know everyone else has Oh, nuance and that's right. just like it's already what he is like yeah i will i do think <laughs> that him feeling remorse is nuance for someone who is so shallow i do agree with you that he is very shallow um little bit of character development yeah yeah totally yeah I, yeah yeah and I, you know every time i watch the show i like jane more so i've come away from this yeah. watch through which you know i this is 
I just finished this watch through Firefly this morning. So then this, I don't remember yeah. how many times I've watched the show, but this watch through is now complete. Um, and as of this watch through, I like Jane more than I ever have. I, I love every, yeah. every main character. I think they're all so great. Um, we don't really, all have do, do we get any, sen- do we get any of, uh, Kaylee's thoughts or is it just Simon's thoughts in the, I think it's just Simon, right? I don't remember if we hear anything from Kaylee's mind. It's mostly Simon. She's yeah. She's just focused on her brother when she walks through that scene and, yeah. and his, um, his, uh, regret about not being on area or Osiris. Yeah. But we do, we do get the sense, you know, so after this, episode happens where river has a gun and it all gets diffused we get another great scene any scene where the whole crew is together in the mess hall sitting around a table talking Mm -hmm. about something is just the best i love that i mean i've always loved that in next generation when you have like the uh the observation lounge scenes where the the crew all gets together and talks about what's happening when the when the cast has that much chemistry it's just so fun to watch um but they talk about the fact that they think that uh river might be a mind reader and Mm -hmm. Um, they talk about how she's never handled a gun before. And Kaylee brings up the fact that she did see her handle a gun during the war mm-hmm. stories episode when she shot those three people without looking at them. Um, yes. And we get a sense of Kaylee's fear about being around river. And then that is kind of resolved at the end of the episode when she and river are playing together, um, playing mm-hmm. like, uh, playing jacks or something. Um, yes. I love it. Like of all the things that would survive 500 years into the future, it's just the weirdest earth that was artifacts you'll see slipped into the show. Like Jack's really like no one even plays Jack's now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Things make a comeback, I guess. And little rubber bouncy balls. (laughs) Little bouncy balls. Um, But yeah, so, so River or Kaylee is definitely scared of River at the beginning of the episode. Like she has been since, since the gun firing right. incident, but it takes something scarier than River uh, to make Kaylee realize that oh, River might have all these crazy abilities and skills and things, but she wouldn't hurt me. Right. Um. And and it takes at least intentionally that incident. It's it, yeah, it's intentional. It to you have to go to the scary place with Jubal uh, early to to really see that Kaylee realizes that she can trust river because river helps her get out of that tied up in the engine room situation. And, right. um, and river would never ever take Kaylee to that, that scary dark place. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, and I do think that like the emotional closure of the episode as a whole is this idea that river is too dangerous to be on the ship, but then river saves the ship and is kind of re-embraced yeah. by the crew and the mm-hmm. crew comes closer together and then you do see Kaylee get over her fear of river. And that is sort of the emotional button of the episode. And it wraps yeah. it all up in this nice bow where it is a satisfying and gratifying emotional experience to watch. And that's kind of the core mm-hmm. of that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Okay. So then everyone goes to sleep and then Jubal early <laughs> sneaks onto the ship, locks everyone in their quarters, knocks Mm -hmm. everyone out like that isn't locked in their quarters ties up kaylee threatens to rape her which is very disturbing and he just sort of like slinks through the ship and incapacitates everyone on his way to simon who he then tries to use to locate river and then river is like oh i'm in the ship and all of it is so good it's like so well done and so creepy and there's so much character and then you know jubal's always saying 
do you think that's right? Or something along those lines of like, this is the way it is. Does that seem right to you? That's what he says. Yeah. I love that he has his own catchphrase. And I love that he just seems like someone who's been alone for way too long. And even though he's here to terrorize and abduct people, he still just wants to have a philosophical conversation about life in the universe. He's very chatty. He's a very chatty bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. And you can tell that he just feels this intense sense of um, competency in his own physical abilities to know that he has the upper hand and can keep the upper hand no matter what happens. Like even well, taunting Simon, right. like saying how you, yeah. this isn't your moment, Simon, you know, this isn't your moment to try to get back at me, but taunting him with the idea that maybe he could get the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, he's reveling in every moment that he's terrorizing the, the people on the ship. Yeah. Uh, he, you can tell that he really loves that lifestyle. Like he chose to be a bounty hunter he chose the darkness. He likes uh, getting in people's minds and making them sweat a little bit. And uh, he's he's taking his time. He's slow and methodical. He's like the uh, kind of like the Pepe Le Pew kind of <laughs> like I'm gonna take my time and just stroll through the ship looking for my bounty. And he's not <laughs> hurried at all. He's just having a grand old time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's really interesting and fun characterization in many ways more interesting than what we see of boba fett or any of the bounty hunters in star wars um bobby fed um yeah maybe i i'm sure that for some people it's over the top and laughable but for me it's like great for me it's just like super interesting um fun characterization and it's also just so unique like i've never seen anything else like this before or since where this sort of like quasi sociopathic um like (laughs) philosopher is is you know terrorizing the crew that you've come to love really interesting yeah Um, yeah for sure how this this episode in particular really shows off um the the bits of philosophy that really impacted him most as a human and as a as a content creator um Mm -hmm. of like a little bit of atheism and a little bit of existentialism and he talks about objects having meaning and and just imbuing things with the particular meaning of each character's point of view yeah um it's really it's really powerful episode because he he crammed a lot into every moment and it's also a commentary on how we experience the show because the show is in many ways an object that we have imbued with our own thoughts and feelings about it and exactly in in many ways lionized this show (laughs) are you a lion (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah like we've lionized this show because we only got 14 episodes of it and it's so good Mm -hmm. that it's become Mm -hmm. mythical among the fan circles of the people who enjoy it um and this episode it's kind of the perfect end even though it was not intended to be the series finale yeah Yeah. and the first time i saw it i was like that's it the show's over that's really disappointing i don't feel that way at all Mm -hmm. anymore i feel like like this show is kind of a dive into the depths of the psyche of the show and that that is such a cool way for it to go out unintentionally or not that's all we get but it is such an interesting look at the minds of the creation the creative team and 
and it, there's so many layers and nuances and it's it's an episode that you really have to watch like two or three times to kind of really get um there's so much going on that's why the first time i saw it i was like i don't know i i'm obviously missing things i need to come back after i've seen the rest of the show um it's it's just so dense it's like a little neutron star of an episode there's just yeah. so much going on <laughs> it's dwarf star alloy of an episode yes, yes. um so the first time you saw this, did you guess where River was? Did you guess that she had gotten onto Jubal Early's ship? I did not. I was yeah. like, all right, this is Joss Whedon. Maybe she's a spaceship now. And that's right. okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't man. see it go on there, but I'm okay with her being a spaceship. <laughs> the fact that Jubal Early starts to question whether or not she is the spaceship is brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And his psyche is a little unbalanced to the point where as the viewer you buy that he believes that even though as the viewer you yeah. know that that's not what's happening you know that she's like on the comms somewhere um well, the, yeah the reveal happens very quickly they don't really leave you yeah. like sitting in the lurch long but it's it's revealed like pretty immediately that um she's she's messing around on his ship but yeah uh there's that moment where you're like is is she <laughs> we, <laughs> We don't know. Maybe. Maybe right. she is. <laughs> right. And he's like, River? River? Serenity? <laughs> like, he he believes it for a second. And it's it's yeah. because, like, she is reading his thoughts and also, like, looking through his personal belongings on his ship mm-hmm. and is able to get yeah. into his head, literally, um, to, yeah. to kind of twist his mind around a little bit and kind of can tell where the weak spots in his mind are, where she can kind of poke and prod talking about his mom, talking mm-hmm. about him torturing animals as a child and cleaning up after it. And, um, yeah, yeah there's so much. Yeah, he is very clearly a disturbed person already. Yeah. Like as a child before he went into this profession, but I love that her solution after the opening of the show where she's told not to touch guns, she could have very easily, hidden in a corner, grabbed a gun and shot. Like, we know that she's capable of this, but the captain tells her not to touch guns, so she comes up with this very elegant, well, yeah, peaceful Hmm. uh, solution without any sort of physical violence or or weaponry, which... And she puts the physical violence into Malcolm Reynolds' hands, where he's most comfortable with it being, where he just (laughs) kicks Jubal off into space in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's great. It's really great. It's it's very well done. And it's really great character development for River because now that we know that she's a mind reader, that's kind of made explicit explicit in this episode. And then we're Mm -hmm. immediately given an example of how that can be useful and how she can be not just a valuable member of the crew, but sort of the ace in the hole for a bad situation where she can really like solve a intense problem where this guy has taken over the ship he's locked everyone away but then she fixes all of it by getting on the comms on his ship and solving the problem um it's really cool and Mm -hmm. also his ship is awesome like it looks so cool i love the design of it does look pretty cool yeah yeah and it's just like him in front of this giant window of space so he is just alone in space uh, just like in his daily life yeah um staring into the black yes staring into the void of space which is what they thought in the beginning of the series is what created the reavers which we know from the movie is not necessarily true um but -hmm. people like jubal earlier probably why that theory is out there is because people who are alone staring out into the void long enough 
are get become, yeah become a little unbalanced because they're not getting that human interaction that's so valid which i think all of us in covid times can sort of relate to it's like we're not <laughs> getting the human it. interaction we need um no. yeah it's a really well tied together plot and again another another guest star where i would love for this character to come back and they'd even mm-hmm. said i have read that they talked about bringing him back in season two and that just yeah. never came to fruition yeah, he got a, he called what I, I call it Disney death, where like he got thrown off into space. <laughs> we didn't see a splat. <laughs> like there was no, there was no definitive, like, well, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, and his ship, like River sends his ship off in the opposite direction of him. But you've got to believe that a bounty hunter like this, living the life like on his own, where he's just like used to, infiltrating other people's ships you've got to imagine that he's got like a remote in his in his suit or his is like ant-man thing button on his on his <laughs> glove you know where he just pushes a button and his ship comes back to him mm. so it's very easy to believe that yeah. um he'll he'll be fine and he's only been floating in space for like five minutes before he calls his ship back to him totally absolutely and his final line is incredible he's like well here i am <laughs> just like float yeah. around in space it's so good that's the last line of the show <laughs> i know it's weird isn't it yeah and yeah. The, the only thing about it that's unsatisfying is that the last line of firefly shouldn't be the guest star it should be malcolm reynolds or Kay- or kaylee or someone yeah. um I mean, the, that last moment or of them. River, even. Yeah, like, River. This episode was about River and her being accepted into the crew. It, it right. would have been nice. Like, the last shot of any of the crew members that we see is River as she's contemplating, like, solving this Jax game with, with Kaylee. But it would be nice if she had, I don't know, a, a line or something so that we can sure. see that she feels, she feels like she's part of it. Right. But as, like, a a mid-season episode it's an incredible last line it's a perfect last line and that's what it was intended to be was like just an episode in the middle of a season and it it didn't end up being that way um which is such a such a sad thing but of course the story does continue in the movie serenity um which i really want us to talk about on sci-fi on trial someday i'm going to try to make that happen because i even though this is the last episode of this podcast i will feel incomplete unless we unless jane you and i podcast about serenity hopefully someday it'll happen yes definitely do it yes um yeah i mean it's a great episode how would you how would you rate this episode i love this episode um even though i was a little discombobulated the first time that i saw it uh it just made me curious about what was going on so i had to dig deeper um when i had the opportunity to watch it in the right order uh this is such a deep look into each of the characters. Like my favorite episode, um, out of gas is a look at what got everyone to now and, and their history and how they met. And, um, but objects in space is a deeper look into who they are Mm. together as a crew on a daily basis and how they interact with each other. Um, I absolutely love it. On a scale of Vera's, uh, I'm going to have to give it like, do they have to be unique ratings? I don't know how I was, if I was trying to, I think I would, I would give this one a 10 as well. Really? I think I gave, I guess a 10. I, this, I love this episode. There's so much to unpack out of every single moment 
it's infinitely rewatchable. Yeah. Um, and even though there's some uncomfortable moments in it, uh, they were meant, they had purpose. Right. And it, it was, it was meant to make you realize exactly the peril that, that Kaylee was in and the, and the choices that this character was making to make him the monster that he, he was. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't regret a single moment of it. And, and it's, it's one of my favorites. That's I'm awesome. Gonna put just, I'm going to put it at number two only because I wow. do have a deep abiding, wholesome love for out of gas. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do love objects in space. It's wow. I'm surprised actually it's that high on your list. I mean, it's a great episode. I really do love it as well. Um, I, I got to shout out the moment where Jubal early licks the pole <laughs> because yeah. was that like an improv or something? Cause that is just wonderful. He's just like walking down the hallway. He's got to lick part of the ship and I don't even know why it happened. Uh, no, that was very deliberate. Um, Joss Whedon actually, when he was struggling to write this episode, he went to the set of the ship and he did all of the things that he had. Well, I don't know about the licking of the pole, but he had the idea or did some of the things that he had written into the script, like hanging out on the ladders to jump down or, or to like hide out in some of the hidey holes that yeah. you don't otherwise see in yeah. the ship. Uh, a lot of nooks and trannies and, and like vertical shots that we don't otherwise get um, in any of the other episodes. And he, he did a lot of these things and he wrote those into the script, including the pole licking. He made it very physical. He wanted gerbil. Jubal. <laughs> it was a weird portmanteau. He wanted Jubal early to have a, a very physical relationship with every object that he came across, um, yeah. including like his weapon, where he talks about like liking the weight and the shape of of the the gun that he carries around. Um, he's very uh, physically interactive person with yeah. everything that he comes across. That's cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So I got to rate this. So I do love this episode. It is not among my top favorites. I would definitely put out of gas, shindig, Ariel, mm -hmm. um, quite a yeah. few episodes above this. Um, it's a very, it's a very quiet episode, which I like. I mean, the, there's like, there's a lot of silence. Like yeah. yeah. The, the, the deliberate like TV pacing of it, as opposed to some movies where like, Part of what you don't like about Serenity, which we can talk about later, is like they cram a lot into a very short amount of time. In this right. episode, they get to take their time with just pretty much River's point of view and and how she interacts with the other crew. But she gets she gets to take her time as she walks through each yeah. of these little scenes. There's yeah. there's significant moments and and delightful pauses that totally. you wouldn't have seen in a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rating this one's tough because I think the thing that is missing from this for me is that the crew is sort of at odds with each other throughout most of the episode. And my favorite thing about Firefly is when the crew kind of comes together and shows their love for each other because it's so palpable. Um, mm -hmm. Like when, when everyone comes back to save Mal and out of gas and he's like falling asleep because he's about to pass out from the drugs he's under. He's like, you all are going to be here when I wake up, right? Like that moment is just yeah. so heartwarming. And there's, there's not much of that in this episode. There's a little bit at the end, but mm. like that family feeling. And, you know, this is part of what disappoints me a little bit about the movie is that the family of the Serenity crew 
has had their best days already. Like the best days are already over, you know? Yeah. Um, things are worse from here on out. And it, it's a little deflating to know that, that um, not just as the show ending, but like the best days for these characters together are already over. And they just yeah. don't even know it yet. Like Anar is trying to leave and... Um, yeah, this is like it. Like she's about to leave. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. They're, they're going to drop her off at the next port that they come into. Right. And, and this is it. And she hasn't even told the rest of the crew yet. So, right. Like, so there's a lot about awkward. it that makes me sad. Um, I'm not crazy. I, I understand the purpose of the the sort of sexual violence against Kaylee and even a little bit against Anara, um, where Jubal early just seems to take pleasure in domination. Um, and the way that comes out with a couple of the female crew members is very disturbing. Yeah, it's definitely misogynist. It's, yeah. yeah, it's obvious and gross and like, it, it, you feel slimy every time he yeah, totally. speaks like that towards woman. But yeah. it's, but it's not necessarily that the episode is, the episode's not bad because of that. That is character development for the villain. And the villain is bad. Right. And the episode is making you know that. Right. And that's part of how yeah. they do that. Um, but, like, the episode has this empty void in its heart. And I think that's part of the experience of, like, experiencing this, like, existential void. Because, like, that's mm -hmm. what the episode is about. But it leaves me feeling that way yeah. after. So, um I think that this episode is absolutely incredible, but I think I'm going to rate it at like a 7.5 where it's not, it's not like my absolute favorite of Firefly, but I do really, yeah. really, really like it. I think it's incredibly solid. I think that, um, I think that the episode doesn't work on its own. I think that it needs the, the rest of the series to work. Yeah. Like when I watched it without context, it right. was <laughs> you've experienced it was not this. Enjoyable. I experienced yeah. it. I was like, I'm going to put this down and come back later. Uh, you absolutely need context for this episode to be uh, enjoyable at all. Um, yeah. But I, I think this is almost peak what what it was supposed to be from the beginning. It's a little bit dark. It's a little bit bleak. Uh, it it kind of questions humanity yeah. um but that's what that's what it was supposed to be from the beginning instead of like a happy-go-lucky you know comedy with sexual tension and, uh, yeah. and guns and horses in space it, yeah. like, it was supposed to be more of a, a a darker look on the choices that humanity makes um, yes i was thinking about life. that <laughs> i was thinking how that sort of dark center in this episode directly reflects the pilot episode that had yeah. that dark heart and they've, yeah. they've they're sort of um building off of that with this episode which they haven't done much of because the network wouldn't allow that they wanted them to be more lighthearted. Really, and to the network's exactly. credit i like the lighthearted stuff better i do um but i, I like but them both i do i, I, I mean, like them both too yeah there's but, a balance there that is is beautiful exactly i do yeah. like things a little bit on the dark side sometimes because they they hit you deeper. Um, it's a little bit more of like a, a gut punch when it happens. So you, you feel it. It's like very visceral um, when, the, when the dark stuff happens, which is more moving as a story. But you don't really get that impact without the, the history of knowing that these characters have, you know, better days or, or, or lighter times. And when they need to go to the dark place, they can go to the dark place. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. We did it, Jane. Firefly in the books. One of my absolute yeah. favorite shows. Um, yes. 
I've now on this podcast I've now talked about every episode of Firefly and Star Trek The Next Generation which are probably my two favorite shows um so much sci-fi that we didn't talk about there's so many of my favorite movies that we didn't get to Close Encounters of the Third Kind never never reared its head on this show which is such a shame Star Trek First Contact there's so much more that I want to do and I I hope to figure out a way to do that in the future either through Sci-Fi on Trial or some other live stream on my YouTube page or Maybe maybe years from now, I'll try again with another sci-fi podcast. Who knows? But but I do want to just extend a heartfelt thank you to everyone who's listening right now. Thank you guys so much. This is the part where I'm going to try not to cry. Ending the last episode. Uh, um, uh, yeah, show- thank you. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's been, it has been an honor doing this. Oh, I, I do you, get Jay. uncomfortable with you know, recordings and, and especially like hearing my own self yeah. speak <laughs> like, and Oh, now words are recorded and out there forever. But, um, it's been great having these conversations about something that I care so deeply about, um, with someone who cares just as deeply and, and, and getting to really talk about the, the beauty and the, and the joy and the, the life-changing moments you know that these these stories have brought us so thank you for having me as oh it's been my absolute pleasure (laughs) you're the perfect partner for this it's been wonderful i mean Uh, like when we met we used to sit around at work and talk about firefly and now to be able to do it in like a sort of official capacity where our thoughts are now (laughs) recorded and out there is is really wonderful and you i mean you were really uncomfortable with recording at first. You said no to being on the podcast for years, and I'm thrilled you eventually mm-hmm. joined um, and then became an official part of the show. I mean, you've been absolutely wonderful. It it's been, been such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I have to say that Firefly and Serenity have brought two very important people into my life. Um, I started talking to Ryan when we were dating online because he had just watched Serenity. And <laughs> that was one of the things that I put um, in my profile that I was like a huge fan of, of the whole uh, verse of the show and the, and the movie together because the movie had you know come out fairly recently. And um, I went on to marry that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you did. After we started talking about it. And uh, I, I've had you as a friend um, since I moved to Seattle and we, and we first started bonding and talking over my love of this show. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very grateful to the, to the people that it's brought into my life and uh, the opportunity to, to keep those relationships going. Absolutely. And this is something I just love about science fiction is that loving science fiction brings people together because... Mm-hmm. It's a it's a genre that's all about looking to the future and looking about what we can become. And in this show it, and in Star Trek, it's all about family. It's all about keeping our humanity, no matter where technology in the future takes us. And there's yeah. something so wonderful and so beautiful about that. And I could talk about it all day, every day for the rest of my life. And I'm going to find a way to do so. <laughs> um, and I, although this, different, yeah, a different way, different avenues. Yeah, although yeah. this version is coming to an end. I just have to say thank you to the listeners. Um, I know, I mean, I know that there's some people out there listening to it and I don't really hear from, from many people, if anyone, um, and I don't get much feedback at all. So I don't really have a sense of what my listenership is or 
or what our listenership is and how people are interacting with this show or, or what it means in their lives. But I really hope it's yeah. meant something to someone. And I hope that it's brought some joy to someone. It's brought so much joy to me. I've been doing this for over five years and it's been such a big part of my life. And realizing that it was over was so difficult. I went into a really dark depression for a couple of days. Um, and I know it doesn't have to be over. It's my choice, but I do feel like, uh, you know, like I said before, this isn't growing in a way that it needs to, um, to justify its continuation. So, yeah. but I, do, but that well, does not mean that I don't value the people who've listened. And I hope yeah. that there's someone out there who's been with me since the beginning, who, has enjoyed this show as much as I have where this has meant something to them. Um, cause it's meant a hell of a lot to me. I really poured my soul out on this show, 177 episodes. And it's, it's, it's a the, lot of work. It's the biggest of body of work that I've created, you know, um, mm -hmm. like I've made, I've been making music for a lot longer than I've been making podcasts, but there's a hell of a lot more hours of podcasts out there than music. And mm -hmm. I love podcasting so much. And I am still, really it's still a dream of mine to have a podcast that can grow and can sustain itself and i'm going to keep trying to do that and i hope that some people will check out the major pain podcast that is coming out sometime soon um so keep your eye out for that and keep your eye on my youtube page i do want to start live streaming some sci-fi discussions so that the audience can participate and be a part of it because when we've done that in the past it's been really rewarding and i just hope to find something that that the that that youtube algorithm will will help me share because i want to spread some joy and some positivity and that just means so much to me and i i i need that i really want to find that somehow yeah yeah not everyone i mean i i know that i'm guilty of not necessarily interacting so much with things that I enjoy. So <laughs> me too. Um, you know, <laughs> me too. Like I, I don't comment on things. I don't review things. I just, you know, yeah. if, if I loved it or I hated it, you're probably just going to get crickets from me on either end. So it's really hard to know sure. um, from a lot of people who just don't necessarily take the time to, you know, make an account and log in and leave a review. Absolutely. So for, for everyone who's been out there silent, but enjoying it or, or hating it in your silence, uh, you're feeling something either way um, as, as all good art should evoke some sort of response. But um, thank you for, for just being here. Um, you don't have to say anything every time, but we, we appreciate your presence. We do. Absolutely. Well said. Well, Jane, do you have any final thoughts for the space nerds out there? Oh, man. Um, it's dark times right now, space nerds. Uh, 2020 has been a hell of a year. It's just barely halfway over. Uh, we're going to get through this. Um, we're not going to become a sci-fi dystopia. <laughs> but make sure you vote. Absolutely. <laughs> don't don't uh, watch the Empire form under your nose uh do do what you feel is right listen to scientists um and just stay nerdy out there well said um <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean this is really this is really tough i i actually never thought i was going to end this show i thought it would just go on indefinitely and i am very excited for the other projects I'm working on and then the new ones that are coming in the future. And I'm excited to carve out this time to work on them. And, um, it's time for me to 
turn off this voice in my head that's constantly telling me I'm doing something wrong by not reaching an audience because it's really it's something that I'm learning to deal with. <laughs> what, just, what's that? Yeah, put that voice on mute. Yeah, <laughs> just cut off that too. Yeah, but you know, there's there's so many other things that you can do um, and devote your energies to. So this might be the end of one chapter, but it just means it's time for a new one. Absolutely. And that's going to do it, my friends. We've reached the end of the Space Nerds podcast. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, stay nerdy out there. Baby!